Welcome to Path to Glory, a Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. This episode was made possible by our patrons. Thank you so much to all of you. If you're interested in supporting monetary funds, please check us out at patreon.com slash path to glory. If that's not possible, that's totally okay. We still appreciate the listen. In today's episode, we'll be covering the recent Alberta Grand Clash, the first ever Canadian Grand Clash. And we'll also be covering a host of listener questions in addition to our usual um, topics. Uh, for reference, this episode was recorded on October 19th, 2020, and the meta version is Post Arena Mortis. This is Amon Kusro, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Jonathan Davis. Hello. How are you today? Doing good. Had a uh, bit of a vacation last week, so relaxed and ready to Underworlds, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. And before... Before we get into your vacation, uh, I just wanted to uh, <laughs> <laughs> introduce our uh, our guest today. We're joined by the recent winner of the Alberta Grand Clash. He's one of our patrons, and he's the most successful Ripa Snarlfangs player in the Beastgrave meta, Matthew Penner. Hi, guys. How are you? I'm uh, I'm well. How about you? Doing all right. Did you uh, have a good weekend? It was It was very good. Yeah, it was a really good... <laughs> good weekend um felt good uh family's tired <laughs> i can say that for sure um i know my wife is tired after uh, two days of me being away but uh yeah it was good you're gonna be on overtime now for the rest of the week huh exactly yeah well i hope it was worth it sounds like it was and, and we're gonna dig into that for sure but let's go back to jonathan's vacation uh <laughs> where did you went to galveston right which is a yep. coastal city in texas yeah, just went to Galveston with... Uh, in the middle of hurricane season. <laughs> I guess. The weather the weather was pretty good. The day we got there was kind of uh, kind of cloudy, but uh, it got warm the next day. So it was nice. A lot of fun. Yeah, the pictures look nice. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope the lady friend had a good time as well. Yep, yep. Good. Well, um, let's jump into our usual segments and then definitely get into that grand clash. So Jonathan, you want to kick us off with some news? Yeah, we have a little bit of underworld's news. The games workshop had their recent grid iron and glory event where they previewed the dire chasm starter set. They had pictures of the models and like an overview picture of uh, the game contents, that wide shot that we've seen of the other ones. So, um, I thought that was pretty cool. What did you guys think of the preview? Matt, why don't you uh, go ahead and answer that one first? Really excited for season four. Um, I think the thing that I noticed and that I'm most excited about the preview is the um, Penitent Throne uh, was one of the boards in that core box, it looks like. Uh, mm. So it looks like we might be getting a reprinted board, which actually made me really excited for new players coming in. Um so that was that was the main thing that I've I've noticed from the preview that actually got me really excited. The the board thing is is something cool. Yeah, a lot of people uh, were pointing a lot of random things out actually, and and that's just one of them. But I, I think you're probably correct. Um, it's it's probably a great. I think it's a good board, and so it's probably nice to have a new reskin on it. And as you mentioned, newer players can come in and maybe use a board that apparently the developers think are great. While um, us older players can just get some new eye candy while still, I guess, knowing the board well. Yeah, it's always been one of my favorites. So I'm like, yes, yes, bring it forward. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, Jonathan, what did you think? Did you did you like the models? Um, I did like the models. I think the I think my favorite one was probably the the big uh, beastman slanesh guy. Slake um, slash or whatever his name is, or yeah, maybe I I don't know if I know what his name is. The um I I, I guess I didn't. I don't think this is as strong of a starter set as Night Vault was, um, model wise. But I think uh, I think I might like Beast Grave too. But it's it's good. It's uh, the Sinesh guys look really cool. They um, I think they're my favorite, probably of the two. Well, uh, Matt, what's your favorite? Uh, so my wife's already called dibs on the Slanesh, <laughs> so I think I have to pick Lumineth. Uh, but uh, I, I think I think like model wise, um, I really like the Lumineth models. I thought that they were really dynamic um, and cool. Um, but I, I think I think it was just a really interesting, um, a really interesting set of eight models. Very different than I think some of the other core boxes we've got. So. Um, it's, that's really exciting to me. Yeah. Both four man war bands. So they're almost in a way like dark mirrors of one another. Um, you know, as, as if you're, uh, if you're a fan of the lore, you know, that Slanesh and the elves have a very long and, uh, bitter history. <laughs> so to see them both in the set, both four models apiece, both have similar looking fighters in terms of um, I guess what they should be doing on a battlefield, but still vastly different in aesthetics. It's really cool to me. Um, yeah. I really like the owl on the, uh, I guess his name is Miari. Miari's Purifiers. Absolutely. Um, that thing is sick. But my favorite model by far is the Chaos Lord. That guy is literally what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for humans or human slanesh followers and, he did not disappoint. Neither did the other two, by the way. They look very cool with their, I guess, very Persian aesthetic, which I thought was pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, very 300. Yes. Yes. Um, and there are also two cards that were previewed. Some people were uh, went to their website, and, and Games Workshop has updated the Underworld's website. So there's one called Mark of the Dark Prince, which is an upgrade. We won't get into the cards, but... It does does say restricted restricted slake slash and it shows the beast man there so uh, I guess that's his name and then there's a really cool magic card called hypnotic aspect and and what I really like about this number one is it has Vortimus on the card art which is really interesting because none of the beast grave cards have older warbands but this is clearly a diarchasm card because it's a new logo out of 500 and this is a really cool gambit spell it's one channel if cast choose one enemy fighter within three hex of the caster. Push the Chosen Fighter one hex. So nice to see a pretty solid magic card off the bat. Because I feel like in Beast Grave we were lacking a little bit till the tail end. Yeah. That, that'll be a nice one for, you know, the the, the amount that is probably going to rotate out post-Night Vault. Um, you know, to make Magic Warbands still viable. And, I mean, Distraction's an amazing card. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of nice to have a one-channel version of it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Inspire and push someone around. Exactly. <laughs> they keep they keep printing uh, distractions. Um, but yeah, super excited for that. I'm I'm beyond hype. December 2020 is going to be a good month. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, let's jump to community shoutouts. So, 
the first community shout out um i believe that so john reese is uh, from kenya roller crit is organizing an event called the uk masters it's a uk invite only event that'll be played through cam games online and uh unfortunately due to some uh, hardware issues on his end he has delayed the event to early november um john reese did incre- you know in, uh, create his own far list for the event but maybe this gives us enough time for Games Workshop to drop their own far list um, to make the event a little bit more official. At the end of the day, it's very cool for the UK players. Um, I certainly want to compete in it, but unfortunately, I don't live in England. I guess Canada is part of the Commonwealth, though. So, right? <laughs> I guess kind of. Uh, I'll, I'll wait for my invite then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's jump. Let's jump into more shoutouts. Yeah, um, we wanted to mention that the uh, Cam Game tournament that Val runs, um, straight out of Shadespire series, um, that happened this past weekend. Um, congrats to Zach Newcomb. He won with Thundrix Profiteers. I haven't seen them in a little while, so that was cool. Um, and then the other one that I have here is there's one more online clash event coming up. Um, for the Beast Grave season, and that is going to be on November 14th, I believe. So this is the sixth online event and should be the last of Beast Grave. So that should be fun. Yeah. Uh, two things. Number one, I love how we put Val so we don't uh, mispronounce his name anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to try um, to slip that in, but yes. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, and number two, um, Matt, you've actually won one of these online events with Ripa's before, right? Yep. Yeah, I uh, Vessel Clash 3. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So you are no stranger. Will you be participating in the uh, the sixth online event? I promised my wife I would not. <laughs> so uh, it's right around our anniversary, so I think we're going away that weekend, unfortunately. Sounds like very fortunate, actually, indeed. So I hope you have a, a good weekend there. Um, I don't know if I'm going to commit to it. I've been kind yeah. of uh, – I think I'm just ready for, for December 2020. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jonathan? Um, I may. Yeah, I have it on my calendar. Um, but we'll see as we get closer. <laughs> I love how be, we both go ahead. It would be nice to get one more event in with all of the Arena Mortis stuff, I think. So I think that's what uh I think that's what might push me over the edge is wanting to have at least one one event with that. That's fair. That's fair. I love how we're both always like, yeah, I don't know. And then we both play anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, well, it just depends. I mean, some, sometimes I don't have anything else going on that week with all this COVID stuff. So makes sense. That's true. It's just well, hard to commit those two days. So. It's super hard. And like, cause part of me is like, oh, man, I know it looks good if I make it to the top eight, but then I'm also like, you know, top 10 isn't bad. I'll just, I'll just cut off right there. I don't have to play in the event. And I think we were laughing about that last time where you were like, damn it, and I have to play in the morning. Yeah, well, I knew I was against Tommy, and I knew that wasn't going to go well. So It didn't go well for anyone that played him. So. No, it didn't. Uh, well, um, it looks like that's kind of wraps up the community shout-outs and the news. Um, if you have any comments in regards to that, do let us know. But we're actually going to jump into um, our next segment, which is actually going to revolve around the Alberta Grand Clash and uh, we've actually got a lot of listener questions today that are format, but we've got some questions of our own as well. Um, and so uh, I know that the event was TO'd by uh, Derek Trakwar, a.k.a. Captain Murder, 
who is actually one of your Alberta buddies, right? Absolutely. Yeah. He's, uh, he's the person that I practice the most with, um, uh, and has played, probably played the most games against, uh, especially, you know, COVID times, um, kind of when we started being able to get out there and, uh, and play in person again, uh, he and I were the ones just, just getting out there right away. That's awesome. And and so I understand that he wasn't originally going to TO the event, but um, I guess circumstances changed and he had to? Yeah. So w- what happened was uh, 12 days before the event, we uh, we lost our venue. Uh, we were planning on a, a local place. Uh, we ended up getting double, double booked and, uh, and we just got bumped. Um, luckily, there happened to be a, uh, a small farmer's market in the mall up uh, up in Calgary near I li- where I live. And I had seen a post where they had said, oh, free event space. Um, let us know if you want to host an event. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll probably throw a kit tournament here sometime. And so when we lost the space, I, I sent them an email 12 days out. And the next day they were like, oh, yeah, absolutely. How many people? How many tables? What do you need? That and is it was, awesome. It was amazing. So, um yeah, that was uh, that was so so nice of them, and uh, the, the vendors were ecstatic to have you know a good amount of business. There was great food. Um, it really had a good buzz, and, and it was it was actually a, a really good space too. Uh, surprisingly, like tucked in the corner of a farmer's market. That's awesome, and that whole story screams like Canadian friendliness to me. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So that that is very cool. Um, so, um, so Derek ended up TOing the event, and then uh, you decided to play Rippa's. Um, now, um, we've got a couple questions here, and Jonathan, if you want to take turns going through these, um, love to do that. First question for you from us is, what did you expect the meta to look like going into the event? Like, why did you decide to bring Rippa's? So, uh, so I had taken Vassal Clash three with Rippa's, um, and really, I mean, I, I spent most of the Beast Race season working on Rippas. I brought them to LVO um, for the skirmish and the and the Grand Clash there. Um, they've really just been my favorite warband, like hands down. Um, so after after winning Vassal Clash three, I stepped back and I said, I've never actually really played objective warbands. I've always leaned towards aggro, um, and so I really took a couple months and and was playing guard. Uh, and then uh, was playing Thorns for a while, and so kind of kind of made my short list of of what I was thinking I might play for the Grand Clash, and um, and really really the three war bands I had settled on like as my as my kind of like base was Thorns, Cursebreakers, or Ripa, um, and you know I started throwing some games around and and just just went back to Ripas and really. The things that uh, Blade Coven and Crushes added into the mix really, really improved my deck, even from Vassal Clash 3. And uh, knowing that objective play was going to be strong, um, hard, fast aggro, I knew would be a good counter to that. Um, and kind of the off meta, I don't have to play that objective mirror match where we're vying and that, that token role really matters. Um, and so that, that, that's really what settled it. I started my practice matches with, with my new deck and I was, I could not believe how well it was doing. Um, and I, and I went, well, this is, this is the warband I'm the most comfortable with. Um, you know, I'm, uh, 
you know, my, my major goal was top four. I wanted those objective tokens. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to play my game with my warband. That's really cool. It, it just comes down to like a lot of people recently have just been saying, I like this warband. I enjoy it. I want to have fun with it. And I'm going to try to take it and push myself and this warband the farthest that I can. And it seems like you did that with Ripper. You were most comfortable with it. You felt like you got a lot of new tools. And then I guess to confirm, you were you didn't want to mess with the whole objective style of things. You just wanted to go no nonsense. I'm just going to try to kill things. And it looks like it worked out. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, that is cool. Um, I guess let's go through the deck. Um, I'll just yeah. list off the cards real quick so the listeners can have some idea of what we're talking about and then um, we can go into the, the details. So I'll go through the objectives real quick. The surges are calculated risk, brought to bay, gathered momentum, show of force, steady assault, cover ground. Then the end phase are fired up, solid gains, cruel hunters, loaded with plunder, master of battle, team effort. And then the gambits are countercharge, furious reprisal, Narrow Escape, Unbridled Ferocity, Vindictive Attack, Snare, Tracking, Distraction, No Time, Spectral Wings, and then the upgrades are Glory Seeker, Tome of Offerings, Bonded, Embittered, Loping Strides, Bloody Axe, Great Fortitude, Great Strength, Vision of Glory, and Trophy Belt. So your your three restricted are Trophy Belt, Tome of Offerings, and Calculated Risk. I have so many questions. I love it. I can't, I can't wait. I'm, I'm so excited for this. <laughs> let's, uh, let's start with your surges. So yeah. you went with calculated risk. I know that a lot of people who play elite four wound or more uh, war bands or fighters rather um, generally shy away from this card because losing a wound on, on one of three fighters is a very big detriment. Why did you pick this as one of your restricted cards and a surge? So I've always thought calculated risk is excellent in Ripa's. And the reason being, I will bait people to attack Ripa. So I will use do the calculated risk move on Ripa, trying to inspire my other two, um, either to score fired up or to, especially in the, like a Thorns match, Grimwatch, um, Horde War bands, so that I can get the scything attack up and running on Stab It. Nice. Um, so I've always, like, like if you look at my surges kind of in aggregate, four of the six of them are about movement. So calculated risk, gather momentum, uh, show force can be about movement or upgrades, and cover ground, um, which really gives me early passive glory so that I'm not really worried about hitting odds-off attacks, which is kind of the steez of this warband is hitting odds-off attacks. Um <laughs> But it allows me to get that train rolling because, like, for example, if if I have uh, a movement ploy, I can then go, okay, I'll score cover ground and calculated risk, equip two upgrades on Ripa, and I have a second activation inspired Ripa. Interesting. And and so I guess that's kind of scary, though, right? Because a lot of people play Snarlfangs, and I'm assuming that you use Ripa a lot. And, and I could be wrong here, but what if he just dies? Then he dies, and then you Voltron up one of the other two. Honestly, like I, I have always seen Ripa as expendable. And, and I think that that's very different than the way a lot of people play it. For me, it's, okay, is, is it Stab It? Is it Mean Eye? Is it Ripa this game? 
who's going to be the the big boy at the end of this. And and that's the versatility of this warband that I absolutely love because I don't I don't really care. Um in the in the Vassal Clash, um I was playing against the Grimwatch and uh baited uh a rip a kill in the first round from the Grimwatch player. And then I had narrow escape in hand and I could have prevented the kill. And I and I held on to it because I, I said, okay, I'll just save one of my other guys later in the game. And it actually won me the game. I saved that narrow escape until the third round. And it meant that he couldn't kill me and I, which scored me team effort, which was the glory differential. Wow. So contrary to popular belief, you are actually being very risky with what a lot of people assume to be the, I guess, the major linchpin of the warband. Yep. Wow. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, the players that know not to attack Ripa because they don't want to inspire the other two. Okay, then I'll just tool up Ripa and start coming at you. Players that will then prioritize Ripa now have two much more accurate fighters to deal with. Wow. Jonathan, do you have any questions to that? Or I'm, I'm um, still kind of surprised by it, but I guess it makes sense. <laughs> I, I think that it makes sense. I guess I'm a little bit surprised. Um, I, I, I guess looking at some of your other cards... I think the ones that stick out to me that are interesting are Bloody Axe. How has how has oh. that performed for you? That so so that is my sleeper hit of uh, of the last releases. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I always have had one kind of weapon upgrade in this deck. Um, I was using Larval Lance for a while, um, mm-hmm. Amberbone Spear, um, and, and mainly it's for Minai. Mainly it's so that Minai can have a weapon if he's the last one alive yeah. uh, because his one damage bow uh, won't get stronger from great strength and glory seeker won't allow him to one shot chain rasps or ghouls. Right. So I've always wanted kind of a, a, a two damage weapon attack and with bloody ax really when I started looking at it and looking at, uh, you know, the potential of crushes, um, the strength that Trothgorn, you know, keeps in the meta and, the, and that concern against other elite warbands was I can just run uninspired mean eye through two lethals mm-hmm. and swing at you for four damage. And if I get lucky, snarl fang for two and I've one shot at <laughs> Hrothgorn. Did yeah. you do it? Uh, I didn't honor Hrothgorn, but I have some good bloody axe stories. Um, it <laughs> has won me games. Um, it is... Uh, such a great card on an elite warband, especially a fast elite warband. Yeah. Um, uh, you get hit once and you go, okay, you two damage is average damage in this game. Okay, I'll equip Bloody Axe. <laughs> oh, now you go from having one damage and a potential two damage after that to having four damage straight up. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think when we did our card review, Amon, I think that you mentioned that Rippers would be the, the warband that you would play it on. So I, it's cool to see it in action. They, you know, sometimes I have prophetic thoughts. <laughs> right. And and I think it, because I, I, I know I've seen decks for, for Rippers with um, Nullstone Sword or Swordbreaker. And I, yep. I, think, uh, I think those make a lot of sense. Um, <clears throat> I guess if you do lose Rippa, I feel like, maybe you do kind of rely on that axe coming out to power you up in some matchups. But then again, you don't need a lot of kills 
to score your whole deck. I guess two probably. Yeah, exactly. Uh, two for cruel hunters, really. Um, yeah. And bloody axe is more accurate than both uh, of the other like mean eye and stab it uninspired. And that's right. the other thing for me that's that's big about it is okay. So so you're gonna madden and cackle or potentially you're not attacking Ripa. I can still have an accurate two damage attack to get kills. Okay, so I've got some more questions then. So <laughs> the total glory. So number one, going through your end phase cards, it seems like they're all pretty safe, safe options. You doesn't look like you might ever really get a bad hand with maybe the worst hand being like cruel hunters loaded with plunder and maybe I don't know solid gains in an opening opening hand, yep. and that's really not that bad. Um, Absolutely not. But my my biggest thing is that you have 14 glory in this deck. How are you? And I understand that you've got tome and trophy belt, so that's why you have no amber weapons in the deck. But how? What's your average glory score in every like in the game in the event? So is, is, so. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, so for the event, it was 19.3 was my average glory. Yikes. And that's just kills, or are you getting? Are you consistently getting both Tome and Trophy Belt on the same fighter or on multiple fighters every game? Uh, I'm consistently at least getting one every game. Uh, and then games where I'm getting both, uh, I, I, I know one of my games I scored 29 glory. Um, Yikes. And uh, and that was that was a supremacy a kill. Um for I think four kills. Isn't that uh, the best feeling, by the way? It, oh, it's so good. I I, I love I used to love doing that with Scathe, um, but with both of them being restricted, I find it challenging. But I guess with less fighters, it's easier to make tougher calls and and I guess bonded helps. Bonded helps. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm I'm trying to build up one fighter because of show of force and loaded with plunder. And two of my upgrades want or two of my objectives want me to have three upgrades on one fighter. So I'm I'm constantly focusing on how do I make one fighter stronger and and able to do a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that. Let's talk about countercharge. What's going on there? You know that that's one of my favorite cards um, in the game. Uh, it's so so the big thing that I if you actually look at the deck in general, I don't have a lot of accuracy in this deck. Um, I have vindictive attack uh, and bonded. And I guess unbridled unbridled ferocity is a, a like a reroll. Correct. Uh, yeah, that would be redo a snarlfang attack. Um, and honestly, in a lot of ways, unbridled ferocity is there to score steady assault on one charge. Uh, because in general, if I'm going to miss uh, an attack, I'll miss the Snarl Fang. So roll the first attack, roll the second attack, miss. Unbridled Ferocity, I've made three attacks, Steady Assault gets scored. Um, yeah, and, and Master of Battle too, right? Yep, absolutely. Well, the, the Charge plus the Snarl Fang uh, is move, attack, move. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or move, attack, attack. So. Um, oh, so any, you just get that if you charge any... And any Snarlfang charge that's not <laughs> reacted away, so Madden and Cackle or, or anything that's going to block that window, scores me Master of Battle. I would have never thought of that. That's actually kind of really good <laughs> with this Warband. It's it's absolutely essential. It's it's. Do you want a free and play Phase Glory? 
Yeah, no, no, you're making me think now. And then you've got Snare, which is your only ping damage. Yep. Um, which I'm sure that works out because you're all hunters. Um, I'll, I'll another... go back to countercharge, though. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We didn't really, countercharge is I can, especially if I'm in a situation where I need to get across the board um, and I have one fighter that's been able to move up, it allows me to get a fighter closer, so into a charge that I really want to make. Or when I'm deep into an opponent's board, I can maneuver, you know, another fighter in for support uh, and then be beside them for better attacks on the next activation. So really, that's that's what I like countercharge for is um, a three hex push is kind of nuts. Yeah, it also lets you mess up the opponent's math along with narrow escape. If they think they can push you into a lethal or something like that. Absolutely. I'll, move away. I'll use it to dodge lethals a lot. So they'll charge at me um, and I'll just move around so that now I'm not mm-hmm. beside a lethal. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I think it's really ingenious that you're also using it as a movement tool. Because if you have one of your wolves left behind, you can kind of bump up a little bit. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I think the biggest question that Jonathan and I both have is no time. Uh, I, I was hoping and I was going to talk about this. Um <laughs> So no time is a, a reaction to uh, a style of play that I don't enjoy, um, which is the to the end meta. <laughs> um, it's something that I just don't like. I, I, I haven't really cared for it. Um, and what I realized was if I have no time in hand and play it as a fourth gambit, I generally shut down frantic exchange every time. Because they've already used card draw and spent resources equipping upgrades usually or spent enough cards that they no longer have five cards in hand. So for an entire round, I've bricked one of their surges. And you actually make it super hard for them to score that again. Exactly. That's so now, crazy. effectively, I've gone, like, we, we go into round two, they go quick search, okay, I pass. They, you know, they, they start playing out, and I can see, okay, frantic exchange is coming. And so I you just play it as the fourth card in that phase, and they go, well, I only have four cards left in hand. And mm-hmm. I may have spent glory on an upgrade already. Um, so I put that specifically in um, to shut that down. And secondly, so that if I go last in a round against a Horde Warband, um, because I don't have a lot of direct counters, um, I'm not playing Mischievous Spirits. I'm not playing Restless Prize. Um, I can distract somebody off an objective before my last activation. And then no time and make sure they can't get back on. Or they can't two steps forward if I push somebody off. Um, so it's it's kind of got both uses. So one against that that control um, kind of archetype and uh, one against, you know, the objective bands. It's such an anti-meta, meta, anti-meta, meta choice. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I really like it. I mean, I think you've put a lot of effort and energy and thought into this deck and just hearing you explain it, it because like you look at it and you're just like, okay, so you know some of these cards make a lot of sense and some of these I'm not really sure about. But when you explain it, there's so much clarity behind it where you're like, yeah, that's actually one of the best decisions you can make. <laughs> so no surprise that your deck did dominate the event. Um, Jonathan, do you have any more questions about the deck? I do have one more, but I feel like you know you should get a couple <laughs> questions in yourself as well. Um, I think just commenting on no time, I think that it's, I think that it's one of those cards where, 
like it's hard to fit in a deck all the time but when you have it i think you're always gonna be able to find a use for it like one of the things i was thinking about was that you can play it if you're if you think they might have buried instinct or um if they're playing a tome build or an avatar build or something you can just play it at the end and they can't do any of that so yep. there's, a, there's all different kinds there's so many times when you would like the other person to not play cards um, did you find that it ever like got in the way of the upgrades at the end of the round or anything like that? Or so it's funny you say that. So the the day before the event, I considered taking it out. Actually, <laughs> I was like, I don't know, I don't know about this. And and I did that thing where I just said to myself, I've practiced with it, I'm good with it, I'm not going to change right now. Um, <laughs> and I was happy I didn't change. It, it it made some games for me. It made that okay. You can't push on. You can't equip a key. Um, so I was, I was really happy to have it in my deck. Cool. Yeah. My, my, my last question with the deck is actually I have two. Um, second last question, how clutch was vision of glory? It's so good. It's <laughs> so good. Um, it, it man, if, if you can get, and, and once again, like looking, talking about my surges being very passive, I can get to glory decently easy. I can get one pretty much any opening hand. And then if I get any kill, so, you know, talking about two two attacks, one at about 40% odds, one at about 30% odds against most warbands. If I can have one of those hit, I've got two glory. And if I've now baited out a Ripa charge, somebody's attacked Ripa, I can then put it on Ripa along with one other upgrade, inspire him, and then discard Vision of Glory. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, yeah, it's it's such a good card. Um, yeah, I was I was that was that was the one card from Arena Mortis that I was like this this you know <laughs> it re- it replaced one of my accuracy upgrades which was Prize Vendetta that was that was what I took out to put it in um, because I couldn't couldn't justify taking anything else out. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then later game if you have lost a couple fighters it gives you the way a way to get that second charge in which is. Really nice too. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious. How come no tight defense? Because it looks like the only defensive tech you've got, aside from bonded, which is a semi-accuracy card as well, are embittered survivor and great fortitude. Did you think that was enough? And the number two, why no tight defense? Because it is an unrestricted version or similar enough card to um, survival instincts, which is really popular with the warband. Yeah, I um so so I'll answer that by saying like I've never actually liked survival instincts on Rippers. Uh, even when it was unrestricted. Um, I think the way that I've played Ripa's, um, I, I think you have to go as aggressive as possible um, because you have to be able to, um, you have to be able to take out uh, an aggro that's meaner than you. You have to be able to kill a Molog. You have to be able to kill a Hrothgorn. Um, and, I just have never felt like the defensiveness on that side has worked for me that well. Um, and so for me, usually getting, well, here's a six wound Ripa is usually a deterrent for attacks, which just allows him to go on a rampage. Um, so that's, that's kind of always been the, the theory behind the, the plus two wounds. Um, it's also, a, you know, both of those counteract calculated risk. Whereas I could throw tight defense on and, and still die to a three damage attack. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, and you do have, you know, counter charge and narrow escape to sort of get you around the lethal push option as well. So I think that makes sense. And look, looking at these upgrades, I'm not sure if it's better than any, any of them. So. Yeah, I think that's also been a thing for me is like, I don't know where I would put it. I, I think <laughs> I want the two plus wounds just because of being an elite warband. Um, having the option to, to have a couple of five wound fighters or one six wound fighter, which is commonly how that would go. Um, yeah. Right. So just whatever helps you kill everything. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Um, Jonathan, you want to take the next question? Um, yeah, I think we've already kind of um, touched on it a little bit, but what? how would you describe the general strategy of the deck and... Do you think this is the best way to play the warband? Like, are there other ways that you've tried? Or tell us about that. Um, okay, so general strategy of the deck. Um, this is a very positional Rippas. And and I, I truly believe that the warband, um, as, as much as it looks like an analog to like a Magors or, or you know, one of those, like, I'm just going to run into your territory and, and hit you. Um, I, I think Rippas... Because of their their kind of weak defense in general, um, you know, one block going to two dodge, and the way that they are, are very inaccurate for most of the game, I think you have to be really positional with Rippas and, and figure out how to how to maneuver. Um, so for me, you've got spectral wings, you've got tracking, uh, you've got uh, loping strides. So three plus two move cards, um, which are all there to get you where you need to be. Um, I know in one of my games I made an eight, eight hex charge um, using using two of those three um, because that's where I needed to be at the time. Um, but any of those allow you to score your, your kind of early cards between cover ground, gathered momentum, um, calculated risk kind of on the way. Um, they also... It really means that this deck doesn't care about board setup really at all. Um, mm. you can full offset me. Um, I, I will just mulligan my hand and draw into one of my three plus two moves and I will get to you. Um, which has always kind of been, um, which is it's definitely one of the weaknesses of aggro. Um, and especially in, in the current meta and Amber shard pit or molten shard pit. Yeah. Um, so that, that kind of being the, the first thing is like, Really planning out, you know, where do I want to be on this board, um, and how am I going to get there, and how am I going to optimize my attacks, um, are, are kind of the the three pieces there. Um, do I have enough passive glory in my hand to inspire Rippa before he charges, or am I charging him in, trying to bait out that attack, and if the attack doesn't come? You know, is one of those upgrades in my hand, Vision of Glory. So then I can just, hey, you, you thought you had a, a, an uninspired Ripa that charged and that you have all around, but now now I have a Ripa back online in your back, uh, in your backfield. Um, yeah. So, so you know, from, from there, it's what are my most odds on attacks? Who are the, the fighters I need to kill? You know, against objectives, um, how do I take out petitioners or or uh, chain rasps on objectives how do i at least push them off um one of the comments i heard this weekend a number of times um was that 
they didn't know that Ripa had a bow attack. Um, and they had never seen somebody use that bow attack <laughs> ever. And I will constantly be using Minai or, or Ripa to push people off of objectives with their first attack. Um, especially if I have snare in hand, because I have a potential of just getting a kill and, uh, um, and getting, you know, a potential two kills off of that activation. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I think that Vision of Glory sort of adds a whole additional part of that to this kind of strategy where you're, a lot of the time these decks would focus on making one big charge, scoring something, and then, you know, you maybe that would be the last activation of the round. But with Vision of Glory, now you can do that earlier and then do it again, sort of. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, right on. Um, um, you have anything to add, Matt? Or yeah, the the second question, like, do you think this is the best, you know, uh, the warband can be? Um, yeah, this is what's worked for me. Um, I've never liked keep chopping with Rubis. Um, I see it. I see it played a lot. Um, I think it's decently easy to score around one, and I think it's almost impossible the next two rounds. Um, because usually you lose a snarl fang in round one, and just yeah. you have to you have to get used to that. You're going to lose one of your three fighters every round. Um, is usually how that how the game goes, uh, winning or losing. Um, so I think I think keep chopping is is a bit of a trap as much as you want to make as many attacks um, as you can. Um, yeah, and a lot of the time a couple of those would be the bow attacks probably anyway. So yeah, yeah. so. Um, and then I kind of already, already said it, but I, I think a lot of people splash a lot into the defensive upgrades, um, mm-hmm. focusing a lot on, on keeping them alive as opposed to doing what they need to do at a certain time or, or making that, that one strong fighter. Um, and I think a lot of my deck is, is less, especially my upgrade deck is less concentrated on, on Ripa doing all the work and, and spreading that across any of the fighters that it needs to be. Yeah, that's interesting. I think I think that that is probably a part of Ripa's that I haven't played them enough to really get to, but I like how... Because I think a lot of the time, tooling up Ripa as being a part of the plan is, is kind of obvious, but I think I like how you... Um, you're, it seems like you're planning as much for the other option, which is you use Ripa to get the other two stronger, and then you tool one of them up. Um, so instead of like a secondary plan, that's maybe like half of your plan. So I think that's really cool. It always just depends on what, what do I have in hand? Um, if yeah. I can, if I can get, if I have great strength in hand round one, um, and I can potentially, you know, I, I think about a grim watch match and I, I, Oh, I've got calculated risk in hand. I'll, I'll run so that Grizzlewell can potentially charge at Ripa knowing that, Okay, I've I've got my glory from calculated risk. <laughs> I now have an inspired stab at with a two damage scything attack that's decently accurate. Yeah. When so when it comes to counterplay with this deck, um, how much time do you like? How much of it is you trying to do your game plan and score your objectives, and how much of your focus is on like stopping, you know, like a thorns deck from scoring, you know, their big scores? Because even with the tome of offerings trophy belt. Um, you don't have a ton of glory. So how do you think about that part of it? For me, that's always positioning on charges um, because base four movement 
inspired of five. I, I easily get up to seven movement on, on most of them. I can charge wherever I want in most matchups. Um, so generally, if I'm getting full offset, they've only got two objectives. So they're needing to come to me for their third, which would be any of the, the bigger scores. Um, and a, a lot of that is just, I'm going to charge at somebody on an objective and hope to hit them with the first attack. If I miss that first attack, hope to hit them with the snarl thing. Um, if I hit them with the first, hopefully I'm, I'm in range with a second target for the snarl thing. Um, optimizing the number of attacks you can throw um, is, a, is a big part of, of, of a Ripa's deck. Um, I was playing a game, uh, I think a week and a half ago in practice, and in my first two activations, I had five attacks. Um, and wow. only two of them hit, which odds would dictate with, with those. Right. Um, but that was two dead ghouls. And, and that's, that's all I needed. Um, so the, the more dice you can throw, and so the more, you know, I, I don't really care about, you know, having defensive support all the time, uh, because effectively, I, I, against the, the hordes, which is, is normally where I'm, I'm getting the two attacks against different targets, um, all it does is turn their dodge into a shield. It's only adding, you know, uh, one-sixth accuracy on each defense die, which is only ever one at the start of the game. Uh, on the targets I'm going to be going for. Right yeah. On. That um, makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think we should move on to some of the more other, some of the other questions we've got. Um, we've got a bunch of questions to get through. So let's, um, let's get into uh, one of the questions uh, that we had as well. What are your, what do you think your best and worst matchups are? This is actually a question that Nick asked himself, Nick Ramon uh, from discord. Um, if you want to just give us like your top three and your, and your, I think what you were afraid of running into, that'd be uh, ideal. Totally. Um, best matchups for me, uh, honestly, the Ripa's Mirror is really good for me um, because I'm generally playing more passive glory. So I'm going to, and, and I, I did play a Ripa's um, in day one, and uh, I won boards the last two games, full offset him, and he had to come to me both times, and, and I dismantled his Warband uh, because I was able to sit back get passive glory and, uh, and, and just kill fighters as they came in at my leisure. Um, so I, I, I think because of the style of Ripa's I play, um, it's a really good matchup for me. Um, uh, I would say that uh, Sepulchral Guard is a good matchup for me, um, especially with the resurrect mechanism. Um, uh, they were actually the most represented warband of the weekend. So I played a lot of uh, played against them a lot this weekend, <laughs> which I think is awesome, by the way. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, but they they do give a lot of glory if if you could just keep killing them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially yeah. with the tome and the trophy belt. Yeah. So I can see I, why you enjoy that one. Yeah, uh, that's that's one that um, that always works out well, especially because they the the biggest thing about that matchup is uh, they never get more defense. So I never yeah. get less accurate against them. Um, where Thorns, you know, Thorns is a, an even match for me because when they get to two dodge, if I'm missing attacks, I'm I, I'm not really happy about that. Um, um, one thing about the guard that's interesting too is that is like technically they want their fighters to come back, so it's it's like their gain is your greater gain, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's just it's just a terrible like matchup because 
what they want to do is what you want to do, but even more, and you gain more from it, <laughs> which I think is yeah. quite quite an interesting conundrum for the guard player. Yeah, exactly. So, so we've got um, a mirror match, which I think is really interesting. But you're right, you do. Jonathan and I talk about this a lot on the podcast. Is um, you know, trying to make sure that you're prepared for that mirror match. So so you do that by just not wanting to. You don't need to fight them, right? You'll still you'll outscore them by fighting them or by not fighting them. And when they try to come to you to fight you, you have the advantage because you get to react to them while they have to take, I guess, these wild charges, right? And um, and the one fighter they can reach is always Ripa. I know mm, you have to yeah. make a charge. Inspire my guys. Go ahead. Devious. <laughs> um, and what was your third one? Do you have like another one that you just like you're like when you see it across the table, you you're kind it of gets. like oh, gets really. Like, like okay. I have to say gets because yeah, uh, just the scything attacks, um, the the amount of I, I'm gonna reach every one of them. Um, I I I just like that matchup. Um, yeah, I, I haven't played a lot of it so quickly though. Yep. Yep. Very true. Squeak, stay on one dodge. Um, you can generally get a couple of kills before that inspire. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it can be difficult for them to get to four damage too often, I think, because they don't have any, uh, they don't have any three naturally. So they have to boost it all the way to four every single time. I could see that. I also think that, you know, I guess if the dice lean your way every once in a while, it's actually super advantageous because you just get, two pretty quick kills and that's and i guess that's super amazing for you and, and makes them scoring their objectives much harder yep absolutely nice what, what were you afraid of uh hard control hard control is the the biggest thing um worm spat uh can be a hard matchup um because just the math going off um i'm trying to hit two Pretty odds-off attacks um, against decent defense characteristics. Um, although playing into them, it's hard for them to inspire because they they have to damage all three of my fighters. Um, but uh, Wormspat's one that that I worry about, um, especially yeah, just that math throwing off how I can go into them. You kind of um, also help them out with calculated risk as well. Exactly. Helping them out with that, and then um, they generally like the uh, steadfast defender sitting on objectives, especially the control build. Um, so I know I'm going to miss attacks against them, and they're going to stay on those objectives, which means I'm scoring them glory for something that I need to do to make sure they can stop storing glory. <laughs> um, I was uh, So I was worried about Crush's control in the same vein. Five wound fighter much harder for me than a four wound fighter. Um, it's it's doable, um, and, and if there's one elite fighter, you know that's that's not really a worry for me. But three bigger fighters that can hit back hard, that that's that's one worry. Um, and in the, in the top eight, there was actually uh, so day two, I was really worried there was a a worms pack control and a crushes control um, in the field day two. Um, and I was really worse about coming up against either of them, um, and uh, and I didn't have to. <laughs> so you you dodged two of your worst fears, and and I want to go back to that crushes matchup because that one's a kind of a dice off, right? It's just you want to go to them because you need to kill them before they out they score more passive glory than you. Yeah, but like if they they're they're inaccurate, but if they hit one to two times, that's really bad for your warband because they just yep. do so much damage. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a matchup that, 
that that would be scary for me. And uh, and the third one would be Lady Harrows. Um, uh, two dodge to start. Uh, you know, immune to lethals, uh, which is part of uh, part of why thorns are, are harder than you know um, going into uh, guard or or uh, or gets. Um, and uh, and generally are taking defensive tech. Um, so that's uh, that was the other one that you know because they flex so strongly into control and and into passiv- passivity. Um, I have to go to a Lady Heroes player. They're generally playing hold too. Um, and so that was the other one that, that would really worry me. Right, because then they can react to you and run run around through you, inspire, and then they're just yep. more dangerous than around two. Yeah, those those make all make a lot of sense there. And, and did you and you so you didn't play any worms, batter crushes. Did you play heroes at all? I didn't. So uh, okay. I uh, I practiced against heroes uh, I think two weeks before the event. Um, I built my wife a Harrow's deck, um, and uh, and she she took it to the event, um, and uh, and she beat me, the the game we played. So yeah. in practice or at the event? In practice. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah I didn't. Uh, we didn't. We didn't meet at the event. So. That's a little <laughs> funny if your wife just kicked your butt at the event. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's awesome fun. though. Um, okay, so let's go into what you end up playing at the event. And so let's do a brief game by game summary, uh, round one, how many you know how to go, and just I guess highlights and and how many games it went to. And then I think you did four on day one, and then you did another, I think three or four on day three. two. So three. Yeah, we we cut to top eight. Right. Okay. Cool. So let's let's run through uh, day one real quick. Totally. Um. So uh, so my first matchup was against uh, Jake. Um, we, uh, so we, we actually had a really good, uh, turnout, uh, 24 players at the event. Um, we had, uh, a number of, of local people. Uh, there were five people that flew in from London, Ontario. Um, and that was awesome. And I think there were five players that drove down from Edmonton. Um, so we had, a, we had a good mix of, of different metas. Um, so, so Jake was, uh, uh, was from the, the London meta and he was playing Hrothgorn. Um, so, uh, the first game I won 17 to three and the second game was 19 to 13. Um, the first game hinged on, um, just throwing as much as I could on Hrothgorn and, uh, and took him out early and, and then just picked apart the Warman. Um, and then the second one, he did get Hrothgorn inspired from an early regal vision. So now, now having those, uh, those two, uh, two block to work through was much harder um, I believe he also put massive bulk on him late in that game. Um, so <laughs> I, I had an, an eight wound. Uh, oh, he he also had what? I can never remember the new card that rewards you for having many upgrades. Oh, um, the, um, dude, Mike used this against me the other day and kicked my butt. Um, <laughs> the one, it's the one that uh, if you have nine upgrades, you get like an innate fury and, uh, and smash, hammer. right? Oh, yeah. Wow. So, but on three upgrades, it's plus one wound and can't be driven back. Which is uh, which is good enough. Absolutely. So every time I was dealing damage to Rothgore in that second game, he would put more wounds on him. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I loved this. His convention was to take the wounds and put them on the upgrade to show that those had been canceled. Um, and so I, Rothgore had three wounds on his card for most of that game because he kept taking <laughs> them off and throwing them on upgrades. It was just... 
I finally took him down. Uh, that that game ended nineteen thirteen. Wow. <laughs> I think it's called deserved confidence. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that beautiful picture of Rippa that I love on it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's your reward for it's it was your motivation to kill Hrothgorn. Yeah. Absolutely. So you managed to take down like a like a ten wound Hrothgorn. Yep. And was um, it like was Bloody Axe your friend here? I don't I don't think I got it in that game uh, because I kept picking I, I remember I just kept having to do two damage to him and and that's why I couldn't take him down I I had him on one wound I think three times and he kept playing upgrades was he not punching you back or were you just were you just rolling those those defense I, I was getting good defense um, okay yeah uh, <laughs> and I, just... I I've, I've had a lot of practice against Rothcorn uh, because mm-hmm. Derek likes Rothcorn he does. So I've I've played a lot against it, um, and uh, uh, and have, have have really seen okay like I can go toe to toe with a big man. Um, I just have to try to do it early. Yeah, yeah. The difference between him and Spiring Out is massive. Yeah. And and he's not great at getting inspired against Rippas because you have to get the damage out early. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Right on. So you out brawled. The best brawler out there, I guess, arguably other than Molog. So, yeah. Uh, so game one took down Rothcorn's Man Trappers. Uh, yep. Convincingly, two zero. Uh, let's get into game two. Uh, so game two, I played uh, Tristan, uh, also from the, the London Ontario group, um, and he was playing Sepulchral Guard. Um, the, the, uh, the when you saw the guy, I loved it. I was so <laughs> happy to see a Horde Warband coming uh, coming across for me. Um, uh, the first the first game kind of kind of went to plan uh, twenty six to nine. Um, I got tooled up with uh, you know tome and and trophy belt um, and, uh, and and just just went went through the warband um, when they're when they're trying to inspire and trying to get fighters back um, and uh, and he was playing keys as well so that was really important to his glory was to get them back on the field. Um, it was, uh, it was definitely a focus for me to, uh, uh, to just take as many out as possible. Um, did you engage- do that through, sorry, don't mean to interrupt, but did you do that through scything attacks or did you just, just chow down with, with one of your other fighters? It was usually chow down. Um, I think that game was Ripa getting tooled up if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, I know stab it, stab it like got some good scything attacks in um this weekend but uh nothing you know i i don't think i ever had a three fighter scything attack i know i had a few twos um that were clutch but yeah generally it was uh one hit plus a snarl fang um and especially on you know the the two fury is is not that bad an attack um especially especially you put bonded on um which i i drew bonded a lot this weekend um, there's a lot of times that I would would make the charge and say, oh, supports cancel um, because I've got bonded on me. And they're only at one dodge. So yep. if you do get that roll off, which you have like, a, what, a 33% chance on each die? Uh, yeah. It, it's most likely going to go through. Nice. So did you just did you just like kill the, the warband very early? I mean, it's a very drastic difference in score. Uh, no, you know, I... Um, because of Rippa's speed, like I mean, most guard players will place Champion Harvester Prince up front, 
put their three wound fighters that they want you to inspire them up at the front of the board and put the petitioners farther back to start hitting objectives. But with the speed of my deck, I'm able to get back to the petitioners. And, and that's exactly where I'm going to go. Um, so forcing him to resurrect petitioners so that he can hold the objectives and not inspiring the champion and not inspiring the harvester um, meant that I always had two wound fighters to kill. Um, and I, and I, I know that game I left, I just left the warden alone. Yeah. And, and, and I guess the other guys are too slow to, to kind of react to you because you're just yep. fly right by them. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's something we've talked about before with the skeletons. If, if you just don't kill the good ones and they can never bring the good ones back, then they can really struggle. <laughs> yeah. I like it. So then how did game two go? So game two, game two was super tight. Um, it uh, it came down to keys at the end, um, and he ended up taking it 22 to 21. Um, it was a super tight, close game. His game plan worked. Uh, I was missing attacks, um, and uh, and he ended up he ended up taking it on. Uh, I think he scored two keys uh, in the end phase. And and so what do you think held you back in this game? Was it you mentioned missing dice, which I think is is kind of the biggest challenge when playing aggro. But do you think you could have like made some better charges, or was he able to force you to fight his big three? What was going on there? I, I think in that game. So so generally, you know, I mean, most attacks in the game are are about fifty fifty. Um, Ripa's attacks are are less than that. And and generally, I would say like with Rippa's in, in this deck, if I'm hitting 50% of my attacks, I'm happy. I'm good. I'm good. That's that's what I want to hear. Um, I, th- I think this was the game that on my first two charges, all I rolled was double supports um, mm. for all four of my attacks. It says something like that. Um, and so when, when you start out with that slow, I've got two of my three fighters charged. I didn't hit anything. I didn't score my glory. It allowed him to set up, get that seed glory, and go from there, um, which always makes that a bit of a tighter match. Right. So, so now you guys are one-one, but you have got the glory advantage. Like, what was your yeah. thought process going into game three? Like, did you um, were you just like stick to the plan, just hopefully some of those dice land and and, and kind of cleave through them, or, or what was going on there in your head? Exactly. Like, I mean, I, and I think that that's definitely my mantra all weekend was like stick to the plan, play my game. And, and that's that's the way you, you got to do it. Like, I can't let the dice phase me or we're getting edged out there. Like, that was such a close game. You know, um, you know, if I can hit some some clutch attacks, uh, I, can, I can easily take the next one. Right. Because, like, in theory, you rolled below average and you lost. So your mindset was probably like, if I just roll average, I got this. Exactly. Got it. OK, so so I'm, I'm assuming it worked out in the third game. Yeah. So the, the third game, the score is twenty nine to eight. Yikes. Um, and that and that was a game where um, I, I remember specifically there was a point where um, uh, I know he had the champion and he had a key on him and, and really wanted him on one part of the board and resurrected him. I, I killed him for three glory right after he resurrected him um, and, and was just was just doing that supremacy a kill. Um, that was that was one where I just had full reign of the battlefield. Um, yeah. You're just that's crazy. Those those glory scores are insane. <laughs> um, I know. I know that game. I was, 
you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like this is an amazing glory score, but I was just so sad I didn't break thirty. Like it really, <laughs> I was really like one more. Like I don't think I've ever scored thirty glory in a game. Yeah. No, that would doubt. I mean, twenty nine is still insanely impressive with a fourteen glory deck. Um. Yeah. So you're yeah. you've more than doubled your glory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that you can actually do in the game, um, which is insane. Um. Wow. I, I don't. I don't know. Like I just. I'm kind of. Uh, it's it's awesome to hear that, but I'm also very surprised, Jonathan. Any any thoughts on on the matchup so far? Um, no, I mean, I, I guess it's uh, I guess it sounds like it's as expected given that matchup, given the single defense dice. Um, but yeah, that's that's a lot of glory. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I I ended the round two one plus thirty seven. Wow, yeah, that's great. So you're you're trending in the right direction, and then I guess you guys had lunch. Uh, yep, yeah, yeah, we had lunch at that point, um, and then uh, went into game three, and I was playing Trevor, uh, uh, one of the Is Edmonton he also players from London, Ontario. You just nope. took them down one by one, or what? <laughs> no, I, I I played two uh, Ontario players and then two Edmonton players. Uh, was how uh, how my how my day one went. Um, so I played Trevor, also playing Sepulchral Guard. Um, he ended up winning the skirmish day two with them. Uh, so congrats to him. Um, Very cool. He, uh, he, there were two undefeated players at the skirmish and he won on one glory. Wow. Uh, wow. a differential all day. It was crazy. These guard uh, so players winning by one glory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this was a tight matchup because he was playing more of an, a more of a passive style guard. Um, he had Avatar uh, in his deck. Uh, he was playing, I think he was playing to the end as well. I know he had Frantic Exchange, um, hmm. and uh, and so these were these were tighter matchups for me. Um, I uh, it was a different set of glory that I was trying to stop. Oh, actually, I'm gonna go back for one second because I need to talk about something that Tristan did. He was running Transfixing Stare. Oh um, no. <laughs> so the guard matchup that I just was talking about. Um, and that was one where one of the games I had Vision of Glory in hand. And I was just like, oh, I'll spend two glory to ignore Transfixing Stare. Um, but I know game, I, I think that that was part of what what bricked that game, too, was he got an early Transfixing Stare on on an inspired Ripa in the second round. And I couldn't couldn't get him maneuvering in. So this is the the player that you played in game two before in game two, yeah. Got yeah. it. Okay. I just remembered yeah. that, but yeah, that transfixing stare was a uh, it was an emergency every time it came out. Yeah. <laughs> but you have the perfect answer, which is with vision of glory, which is yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. See that in. Gotta have it in my hand and gotta have the glory. Is that a reason why you took that card, or it just happened to work out that way? No, it just happened to work out that way, and and yeah. I was. You know, the first time he played it, I just happened to have Vision of Glory on hand, and I was like, "Oh, I've got a counter in my hand right now." And, That's and awesome. I, that was literally what I when I realized that, like, okay, um, like I haven't seen Transfixing Stare being played in months, so that was a really like that was a real gotcha for me. And I was like, "Whoa, okay then." Um, <laughs> it's a real gotcha for your opponent because you kind of negate one of their restricted yeah, cards. So exactly. that is very very nice. So. Well, at the same the time, I think it counters Vision of Glory pretty well, too, because Absolutely. if you play it on a charged fighter, then they transfixing stare you, and then you're stuck. 
So that's kind of cool too. Yeah, I guess that that the mind game. If you know the other person <laughs> has Vision of Glory, which why wouldn't they if they're playing an aggro warband? Um, yeah, so. it's kind of whoever plays that, the that card it, first loses. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the restless prize debate that we used to talk about before it got restricted. Yeah. Is whoever plays it first is actually at a disadvantage. Um, yeah, assuming both players have it. So, um, let's so let's get back into this. This more I'm very interested by these, this 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 guard deck. And I think I really like the fact that he's taking the avatar because he can always just summon it with that last gambit, right? Um, what, what is that? What's Restless that gambit death. name? Restless there you death. go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, so the first game was really tight. Uh, it ended eighteen sixteen for me. Um, so I, I just squeaked out uh, to glory at the end. Um, I. Uh, I think I scored through most of the deck, so I think that'll tell you how many kills I got, um, wow. which was which was not many, um, but but managed to pull it out. Um, game two of this set um, was was a really interesting one. I uh, I got off to a really strong glory lead. Um, it just was just was hitting attacks left and right. Um, I. Uh, Oh, I think I think it was something like eight to three at the end of the first round or something. Um, I, I know it was a, a really, you know, I had a really strong first round. Um, but by halfway of the round two, he had tabled me. So oh, wow. he had six activations. Um, I had thirteen glory. At the end of round two, I still scored solid gains. I ended on fourteen, and his deck betrayed him. <laughs> yeah, it on eleven glory, and I ended no. up taking game two after being tabled halfway through it. I felt I I, I felt really bad for him, honestly, because I was like, <laughs> I've I've lost. You're gonna get supremacy. You're gonna get to the end. You're gonna get, and uh, part of it was he had to ensure to table me so that I wouldn't run away, and so he split up his avatar upgrades um, mm. because he needed ensnare on the attack to oh. just. He wanted that odds on attack um, and he got it and, and like kudos to him. He had me, he had me tabled with six activations left and drew five upgrades and didn't draw, <laughs> draw tech and couldn't, didn't get the right objectives in hand. Um, he has the whole round to keep drawing and he just, he just couldn't get it. He just couldn't get it. Oh my I, goodness. That I is felt, the worst. I, I, I was sitting there just being like, I'm drawing cards. And, and I think in round like the last round I had distraction and no time in hand. And I was like, okay, like I've got things I can do at the end of this game. Uh, but I was just drawing cards um, knowing that I, I can't score anything without fighters on the field. Um, and I could not believe that I ended up taking that game. Wow. So I, I felt so bad. Like I've, I've had those, those experiences with my decks and yeah, to, to be betrayed um, by a card order. Yeah. When when you've done everything right on the on the table, yeah. This this actually this this whole story is so fascinating. Fascinating. Your journey to this championship is just like is so cool. Like so many cool things happening, and then just some really like that's so unique. Like the fact that you get you'll never forget that you got oh, tabled and not. you still won, right? Yeah. Like that's <laughs> that's wild. I, I, and, I and, could not believe it. I was I was like okay game three. Well, like I like I had already like. Settled. I was like, he's gonna get supremacy. He might get uncontested. Like, I, I I haven't seen a lot of the deck. 
Um, he's going to get two to the end. He's going to get, and, and just he was not getting the right cards in the right order. This is why you never concede. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this is why, because not only are you gaining this information as, as you were, that was your intention, but you just never know, right? Yeah. <laughs> In, insane. Uh, That's a game I'll never, never forget. I, I cannot believe, like, I mean, I, I've been tabled and won before, but not halfway through the game. That's wild, man. I mean, <laughs> what a, like, such a, like a, a picture perfect scenario. Um, so interesting. So, uh, you, I guess you overtake your second card warband of the day in, yep. in great fashion, great style. And mm-hmm. now you're on your fourth game of the day. Do you yep. feel confident at this point that you've made top eight? You're three and three zero right now. Absolutely. On the on the 24 players, uh, anybody three and one was going to make it. Um, I, I know I'm good for day two. Um, you know, going into the uh, to the un- undefeated matchups. So there was only two of us undefeated. Uh, in round four, two, three, and zero players, um, and I came up against the other Ripa's player. So wow. we, so you we were, went you were into excited. round four with two Ripa's, and that was it uh, as the undefeated players. Which you know, somebody who loves this warband, super like pride. I, I was <laughs> like, yes, that's right. Ripa's are going to tear across this this event. Um, and that was uh, that was Jonah playing the other Ripa's, uh, and he uh, is also part of that Edmonton uh, meta. Yeah, that's cool. So you, you mentioned earlier that you liked the mirror matchup. So how did that yeah. go? So the first game, he won boards. Um, and uh, I put down... Um, oh, the name's going to escape me. The Nightball board with the three blocked hexes. Um, and uh three block texas oh the uh, arcane nexus yes yeah the, well the one where it's not busted the, yeah. yeah the triangle yeah, yeah the one be. where yeah. the anti-molog board or the anti-range <laughs> board yeah yeah okay and, and knowing like the way that Arippas would want to move um I, I was i was pretty good with that board um because if i can ignore some of his range two or range three attacks i'll be i'll be happy um and uh, we, we, it was a very tight match. Um, I know he charged, he charged into my Ripa very, yes, yes, <laughs> right. He charged Sorry, into my Ripa <laughs> pretty early um, because I was baiting him out and I deployed it at the back of the board um, to inspire me. Um, and I actually had Furious Reprisal in hand, so we inspired each other's warband very early, <laughs> um, which I thought was going to happen. Um, and really, uh, he, he had, he had some more defensive upgrades, but I also noticed from the objectives he was scoring that he was playing, um, a much more aggressive, uh, rip his depth, uh, seeing keep chopping, uh, leading the charge, which always tells me that I, if I kill Ripa, I'm negating one of his glory. Um, mm-hmm. it's a card I used to play and, and I've honestly had taken it out of my decks, um, because it just it makes Ripa so much more important to your deck. Um, and I, and I would rather have that versatility. Um, and it came down to, he had Minai. Um, I think he was on three dodge with survival instincts. Um, and, uh, I had a tooled up, uh, stab it, uh, ended up, ended up making a charge, missed both of my attacks. Um, he kills stab it. I have mean, I, I, I go for my, for my last hail Mary attack. Um, 
miss it. Uh, he got the kill. Whoever got that kill was also scoring loaded with plunder. Uh, both of us had it in the hand. Right. Uh, because both of us had a, uh, a three uh, uh, three upgrades on our last fighter. Uh, so he ended up taking it 16 to 12 um, from his last scoring there. Um, and and so just to clarify here, you so you, you kind of let him come to you and then you kind of counter charge yep. him. Uh, so was it did it just come down to he had tacked more accuracy, so he was just hitting more, or was it uh, he was also had that that that, that uh, survival instincts was hard to get through? Uh, survival instincts was hard to get through. It was the okay. final defense um, that was really tough there at the end. Um, we were kind of trading blows through the start of the game, um, but that was that was what really made it hard. Um, so game two, you know, going in, I immediately knew my plan. I, I had seen seen the deck. I knew what it, that I had way more passive glory. I knew that I had way more movement tech than he did um, as well. Uh, so won the roll off, uh, full offset him, um, and uh, deployed rip up front. Uh, and I sat and drew power cards uh, until he made a charge on, I think it's fourth activation, inspiring my warband. Uh, I was able to then charge for gathered momentum. Um, and just uh, this one was uh, was pretty close through, but because he had inspired um, uh, Minai and Stabit, and I was able to get some seed glory, I ended up taking it 13 to 8. Um, I think he took one of my uh, one of my snarl fangs down, but I tabled him. Um, so going into round three, I got very lucky and won boards again. Um, I used uh, I should pull up the board list because I'm going to keep referencing boards that I don't know the names of. Um, the new board that has the two <laughs> blocked hexes um, that are in a row that are oppressive as an offset. Uh, the shade cursed layer. That's right, yeah. I, just yeah. <laughs> on the tip of my tongue. It's a good yeah. board. So full off set him with the block Texas up front, and I hid my three Snarl Fangs um, behind, meaning that the way that I offset, I think it was a seven hex charge for him to hit me. <laughs> um, and ran Ripa through a lethal and put him, like, dangled him in front, scored calculated risk. Um, once again, he inspired. And I, uh, every time a Snarl Fang entered my territory, uh, they died. Um, and I won that game 14 to 1. 14 to 1? Yep. Wow. wow. That, that was a game that everything went my way. I, I had the plan, I had the cards line up, um, and one by one I just systematically took his fighters out. Part of it was as well, his first charge, the only one that he could make, uh, was a mean eye shot. So he wasn't even exposing Ripa early. So that means... Minai was an easy kill. Um, I believe I shot back at him for gathered momentum, threw him into a lethal first activation, shot him again, snare, um, wow. and just two bow shots killed killed Minai. So Derek was updating me throughout the whole event because I kept spamming him on Facebook. Awesome. And uh, <laughs> he told me that one of your games, you literally crit every roll. Is this, this, is this that game or is it's that day not. two? Oh, <laughs> it's a, it's okay. a day two. Game. It's not this one. Okay. Yeah. I'm there, is a, to that. there is a day two game where, yeah, I'm I'm fairly sure I crit every roll. It was <laughs> it was stupid. Like I mean, it was it was absolutely stupid. Um, this one was just 
as, as he came in, I was just able to get that early glory, the lead on him. Um, I know Brought to Bay is a dead card when I have to do that, uh, but I didn't don't really care if I have one dead objective. And by the end, I was just, well, I've, I've killed your warband. I run into your territory, scored uh, scored team effort, scored. Um, Show up for Cruel Hunters. Yeah, all that. Yeah, Cruel Hunters. Uh, and uh, I didn't have a Snarl Fang dead at the end of that game. Yeah, wow. Yeah, the mirror matches can be so punishing if your strategy counters theirs. So I, I'm not too surprised, but it, uh, it is an interesting dynamic how that works. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I had always not been sure about it, um, but in, in the Vassal Clash, I ended up playing a Ripa's, mm. and, and that was exactly what taught me about this was, oh, you're more aggressive than me. The second I see someone play keep chopping, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I got this. Yeah. Because I, I know what kind of deck you're playing compared to mine. Yeah, I always feel like it has to do with the, you know, aggro control objective triangle. In a mirror match, whichever one is more like the one that usually beats that, you know, the, whatever is next to it on the triangle will usually have a pretty strong advantage. Yeah. So in this case, if you're aggro, if they're aggro and you're more control, you should be able to shut them down almost completely because they don't have any tricks that you don't have because <laughs> you're the exactly. same word man. yeah yeah it's a really interesting way that that works yeah i find mirrors to be always the the the, the warband or the person who has tech to be more reactive generally turns out to be the victor because um there are just so many things that can go wrong when you're the aggressor like yeah. like you know most of all which is dice so when when you were playing that mirror match and the other person just has more passive glory than you or is able to just say, okay, well, you're not the beatdown or I'm not the beatdown. You are. You have to come to me. I think that's where that advantage really shines. And, and I think your thought process into going into the, the mirror uh, based on your previous experiences and then executing on that game plan two out of three times is it's pretty, it's pretty solid. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, uh, I'll be honest, winning that board roll twice in a row, um, you know, that, that was a big part of that. Um, I think it would have been a very different game um, if he was lining me up because he would have gone straight forward, you know, Moln Shard Pit, all three right in my face. Um, yeah. I, I definitely know that the, those would have been some different games. Um, but being able to to know that, A, I had the movement to get to him if he was going to sit back um, because I, I, I think I saw Spectral Wings in his deck. Um, but I didn't see one other plus movement. Um, uh, so I had known that I know that I've got three plus two movement. I'm going to get to you if, if I really need to. Um, and I, based on, based on seeing, you know, when, when, once again, when I see keep chopping, I know a Rippus player is going to come at me and try to attack as much as possible, uh, which, which means I can sit back. I'll go on guard. I'll draw power cards. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so at that point, you had made, I guess, I think you were the, the top placing of the first day. And yep. So you obviously made the, the top cut. <laughs> yep. Uh, um, so we cut to top eight at that point um, and, uh, and then uh, went into day two. Now, cool. did, did this one work in the way that eight plays one, um, two plays seven, or was it just random? Correct. Yeah. So we did uh, seeded first round and then random second round. Awesome. Okay. So um, I do. Do you have the top eight on the top of the hand? I should have written this down. I'm. I'm I looking do for actually. The, post. 
the decks are already up on Underworld's DB. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I, I awesome. literally checked uh, right before we started talking. Um, so yeah. the top eight uh, at that point, um, I don't know the order at, at that point. Uh, so the two Ripos players. Um, I think I have it on Derek's post. You, oh, you found Derek's okay. post? Yeah, I think it was okay. Snarl Fangs, Man Trappers, Crushes, Thorns, Worm Spat, Guard, Despoilers, Snarl Fangs. Yep. So pretty varied, right? So you've got two Snarl Fangs and two Guard? Or yep. just two Snarl Fangs? And... Uh, two Snarl Fangs, a Guard of Thorns, um, Crushes, Worm Spat, Man Trappers, and Despoilers. Yeah, very varied. Yeah, I kind of like that. Um, it speaks to the Canadian meta a little bit, uh, just based on what people's choices were. But at the same time, it's it's actually very, very varied. I mean, I guess there's no Night Vault. No, no, there is Thorns. So very cool. Yep. Awesome. So going in, you played Eighth Seed, which yep. was another Ripus player? or Which was uh, Jake, again, uh, playing Hrothgorn. So the person you played round one made Correct. it to top eight, and then you played them again. Correct. Okay, uh, cool. So in the in the top eight, I had played three of them on day one. <laughs> wow. Wow. They yeah. they had their chance at revenge. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So I I had I had played Jake's uh, Jake's deck day one, and uh, and once again had noticed, hey, this is a very pa- uh, aggressive deck. He was taking butchering. Um, he was taking, I'm just pulling up his deck at the same time. Uh, uh, the beast is slain and hunter's feast, uh, which was the other one that I noticed, uh, where Hrothgorn kills two in one round. Um, and I, I'd come off of that rip his victory on day one and I immediately knew my game plan full offset him. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it, it was funny because I full offset him in, in game one. Um, I won boards both games, uh, and he was going to full offset me in game one, uh, because he thought I was more aggressive. Um, uh, and, uh, but I knew he wasn't packing the passive glory. He had, you know, gathered momentum, uh, you know, for, for Thrafnir to score. Um, but, uh, I, I think that that was the, the main thing that, that he was scoring passively. Everything came down to Hrothgorn coming and hitting me. Uh, so yeah. once again, you know, you do the full offset. I, I deployed closer up because I wanted him to have to charge um, so that I could just start throwing bodies at him. Um, and uh, and that's kind of how round one went. Um, he charged a Ripa, inspires my warband. Um and I think Hrothgorn was dead by the end of the first round. Um, and uh, I took that game 24 to 2. Wow. You are just demolishing <laughs> these people. Yeah. I, I, I said sorry a lot in true Canadian fashion. I feel really bad about, about demolishing anybody. I, I really do. Um, no, but, but that's the format, right? Try to maximize yeah. that glory. I mean, I Absolutely. guess on day two, it doesn't matter as much, but yeah. Um, so yeah. And that, I mean, once again, 14 glory in the deck, that means, and there's only five fighters on the other side, uh, which means every kill was at least a tome of offerings. Um, wow. yeah. Uh, and that was, that was just, I made three attacks on Hrothgorn and he died. 
Um, he was running test of courage. So I think in both games on day two, he ended in a lethal, uh, which meant I only need to do five damage for Rothgorn. Um, so that was, that was really, uh, really positive for me. Um, but yeah, uh, so that was game one. Um, game two is almost the same story. Um, I had Rothgorn dead by the end of the first round. Uh, I won that game 20 to three. Very so nice. are you, are you, you, and you're nailing these snarlfang attacks then? So it sounds like. Yep. Yep. Right. And, and did the unbridled ferocity like come in clutch in these games? Uh, I don't remember it coming up that majorly. Like having the reroll. I, I remember a lot of unbridled ferocity attacks over the weekend that were just, I rolled the double support. I rolled the double support again. Okay. But generally I'm like, well, I score steady assault. So half the time I actually want to miss that first snarl thing if I have unbridled ferocity in hand because I want to be able to maximize that um, that's one of the great things about furious reprisal as well is if I've gotten that attack off I can score a steady assault on my next charge or attack um, so like two two of those uh, two of those ploys play into play into that surge in a very easy manner for me to score okay yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the things about Ripa's is that, like, you'll usually hit one of the attacks, and then about a quarter of the time you hit them both. Yep. And if you get a couple of those in a row, it can be an amazing spike. Absolutely. Um, I know in at least one of those games, like, he had done the the, the sad and a lethal. Um, and he had he had tight defense on Hrothgorn, I think, game two. Mm. Um, and I still, I broke his guard. That, that was the, that 20 to 3, that was the full crits game. That was where I was just crit, crit, crit. <laughs> oh, the 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 second yeah. game. The second game. That was yeah. that was the one where I I I crit every attack. Yeah. Um. And just demolish Rothgorn. And then you just made sure work of his friends. Yep. <laughs> nice. That yeah, that's, that's a tough matchup, I think, for Rothgorn in general, because it's hard for him to kill somebody. Yeah, get that damage out early. Yeah. 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 Um. So it it. So it just sounds like the idea of sheer number of attacks will eventually lead to more successes. And that's kind of the whole, like I guess, idea thus far is you're just pumping out so many attacks. Some of them are bound to hit. And when you do roll uh, above average, which roughly is, as Jonathan mentioned, 20 to 25% of the time, it's just icing on the cake. Absolutely. The number of times that you make a... You make a charge in in between two skeletons, ghouls, and you hit both of them, and you've got trophy belt on. Like I, I remember doing that in a game and going, okay, uh, two for the first kill, two for the second kill, one for brought to bay. That was a five glory activation. Like it, it's it's a swing that's ridiculous. Yeah, and it just makes me smile. I'm, I'm like I'm like grinning right now because as an aggro player, I love that. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. Um, so you 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 single I mean so you you have a strong showing in game one you got two more left to try to take yep. this thing what are your thoughts going into the second game um, who are you hoping to avoid some of the warbands you mentioned earlier like what's the idea there so are you we, just were taking di- game we were time? we were done really quickly um, I, I think we finished the round in 40 45 minutes um, and uh, and so with the grand clash pack there was still an hour left in the round uh, and then one of the games went to time. Um, so I, I had a lot of waiting around. The, the first thought in my head was I've done what I came here to do, which was to get objective tokens. 
That was really the thing that I, I wanted. I wanted top four. I was like, that was that was the main thing that I wanted out of the weekend um, was to was to get those acrylic objectives and um, and I had done it so I was like I'm good I'm happy awesome uh, going into the game so so the other matchups were were going on um, I didn't want to see Wormspat which was still in it I didn't want to see Crushes um, and uh, uh, and then the other matchup was Despoilers and Rebas um, and I was fine with whoever won that one. So for me, I was, I was kind of like, there's a skeletons, the thorns, uh, that, that I'd be perfectly fine playing against, um, despoilers and, and Ripa's same thing and two beefy control decks that I don't want to see. Um, and both of them went out in round one. So the rest of the, so, so going into top four, it was, uh, Ripa's thorns, Ripa's and skeletons. So quite fortuitous. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, still very tough games ahead. Now, have any of these opponents you have already played in the top uh, So two of them. Two of the three other players. So your strength of schedule one. was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you really, because you, you have to beat some of the best players at this event twice over. Exactly. Wow. Um, so. I'm, I'm loving this story. My game two so my day two started the same day as day one. I played Jake in round one, um, and then I played Tristan in round two. Who is the guard player? Yeah, correct. Wow. Um, the one with the transfixing stare, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, uh, it was a very, very similar kind of story to uh, today day one's games. Uh, the first game, I won 22 to 12. Um you know, a similar story to a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of me playing into hordes uh, was uh, lots of crazy charges that you know ended up with here's a five, five glory activation, um, and uh, you know, he got some of his keys off and, and was getting his scoring online, but just, just not enough to catch up. Um, round two, uh, he full offset me. Um, yeah, with uh, the Shade Cursed Lair, um, which, once again, like with with all the movement tech, I wasn't super worried about. Um, he had the champion up, up up front, Harvester. I was able to get into some petitioners. Um, I know I missed a couple of my first attacks. Um, and uh, got Rip into his back line. Uh, Rip had Vision of Glory. W- was able to get some work done. Um, but this was a super close game and it honestly came down to, uh, hitting on a bow attack and knocking him, his harvester off of an objective. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, he was not able to push one more of his keyed fighters back onto an objective and I won 17 to 15. So if he had gotten that key off, it would have been 17, 17 and he had more objectives than me. Mm. So. Uh, one lucky attack uh, was what won <laughs> me that game, um, and uh, and did like Jake and Tristan like uh, we we did a small alliance match uh, at the end, and I ended up playing Tristan again. So we played seven <laughs> games during the weekend. Um, a phenomenal opponent like Jake Tristan like they were both amazing, uh, great players, um, and I loved playing them. So uh, kudos to both of them. Like I it was it was awesome to meet you guys. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like they were great games and, and some really cool moments as well. Um, I, you know, you mentioned that you won the game because of a, a dice roll, uh, or yep. you mean you got that bow attack. But one thing that Jonathan and I have discovered over the course of this just podcast um, is that um, you probably did a lot of things right to get to that point. You don't just win off one dice roll. You don't just lose. Very rarely is that the case. So I think you're selling yourself short a little bit because it sounds like a lot of things were done correctly, and that was just what allowed you to get that, you know, yeah. win, right? So I, I was in a position where I was, I was like, okay, this is going to game three. Honestly, <laughs> uh, I was, I was, I was getting tooled up for it. I, I was, I was like, okay, I think, I think I might have this, but like, I was, I was nervous about it. So yeah, right. And so then you make it to top two. So you've ex- now you've exceeded your goal, right? Yep. You know, worst Absolutely. case scenario, I'm getting second. I'm still getting those <laughs> uh, objective tokens, which are great. Um, yep. And, and so, uh, so so going into top eight, um, talking about breakdown. Uh, so we had four of the Ontario players were in the top eight, uh, three Edmonton players, and I was the only Calgary player in the top eight. So you're repping the home base. Yeah. So <laughs> what I was happy about was uh, the uh, the match to determine who was going to the final with me was an all Edmonton match. So no matter what, we were keeping the trophy in Alberta, which made me really happy. <laughs> so for, for those of us who are not familiar with Canadian geography, because uh, <laughs> I am not, um, yeah. I, I didn't even realize Calgary was very far from Toronto until I looked it up. And it's like a 33 hour drive. So, oh, yeah. I didn't realize. I forget. Sometimes you forget that Canada is just as wide, if not wider, than the United States. Um, so um, I guess Americans, or at least I do. I'm not even going to blame other people here. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> where is Edmonton in in relative vicinity? Right. So uh, so Edmonton's three hours north of us. Okay. So Alberta is the province, and then. Yep. Calgary is is the capital of Alberta. Edmonton is the capital, uh, uh, and Calgary Calgary is the other major city. Uh, in Canada, we only have one or two major cities per province. That's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got it. Okay, so you okay? So now you know you're keeping it in Alberta, right? Yeah. So, so that was another, I guess, plus point. Absolutely. Um, and I'm sure Derek was happy too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, did you did your game finish first? Uh, did the other game go? Yeah. To- so you did you get to watch any of the games or did you kind of try to keep your distance and I, I try to keep my distance. I, I would never want to, you know, see see more information. Like I knew Jonah's deck because I had played him. Um, I, I had not played uh, the Thorns player, so I was I was just kind of backing off and going okay, like I'm just gonna. Uh, that was where we did lunch break anyway, so I went and got lunch. You know, uh, waited for that. They went to three games. Um, and the last game of their, uh, semifinal ended 16, 16 with the thorns player being on more objectives. So, so the Ripper's players did extremely well in general. Yeah. Uh, So how many were there in the day? Just the two of us. In the event. Just Just two of you and you both made top four. Well, top three rather. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, um, I, I have a lot of questions cool. on why you think the Rip is dominated, but uh, I'm also very interested in this final round. Yeah. <laughs> um, so give us give us your headspace. Where are you at? What are you thinking? What do you what do you think you need to do to win this game? And so, then let's get into it. Yeah. So what what am I thinking? I'm thinking I've been here before. 
um, Vassal Clash 3. The final was my rep as against Thorns. Um, mm. So I've done this. Uh, honestly, I think that was the last time I've played against Thorns with Ripus. Um, but I know the matchup. Um, like I said, after after that event, I played I played Guard for about a month, and then I uh, switched to Thorns, which I took in the last Vassal Clash. So I've trained myself on Thorns. I know the Warband very well. Um, I know what they want to do. Um, I know that... If Thorns players want to beat Ripa, they have to Madden and Cackle Ripa. And and that's like that's the main thing that I would say is when I see a Madden and Cackle go off that isn't the the Voltron fighter, the big fighter, I'm smiling. Because in my opinion, it's a wasted card. Um It's actually funny you mentioned that, because the only reason I beat Rob Howard at LVO was because I Madden and Cackled Ripa. In both game one and two. Yeah. Um, and Rob, Rob's such a good player. Like, yeah, fantastic. Good, good friend. Awesome dude. So shout out to him. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, so I think a lot of that Thorns um, matchup comes down to when that Madden and Cackle gets played. Um, mm-hmm. there, there are really bad times for it. If it's my third attack and it cancels the Snarl Fang reaction, that will allow me to score Steady Assault. Um, that's a that's a really bad moment. Um, so I usually like to see it early, um, which most Thorns player will because they want to treacherous foe. Um, I'm also just hoping that dice go my way. Uh, I think that that's the big thing about about that matchup is um, the hardest part about the Thorns matchup with Rippas is I'm ending next to them, which means I'm inspiring them. So if I'm missing a lot of attacks, I'm going to have a harder time doing my game. Yeah, yeah. The difference between charging in and like getting a double kill and then charging in and getting nothing and inspiring them all is so <laughs> is so vast. <laughs> it's brutal. Absolutely yeah. brutal. It's it's the difference between games. Um, unlike guard um, and even Grimwatch, where like you've got uh, uh, Gristlewall that you're really going to worry about and, and target down. Um, with Varclav going to three damage, the Queen going to three damage with two range, you've got a lot more threats on the board with the Thorns matchup. Um, and and they're, I mean, they're just so powerful right now. So I, I went into time. the match. One more time. Say that one more time for Tommy Convoy. <laughs> He and uh, I have been uh, have been arguing on the power level of thorns lately, and oh, so I just this is a, this is a, this is a cheap dig online, but I'm gonna take it. They're they're the they're the warband to be right now. They're the S tier warband. There is no other S tier warband, like absolutely not. Um, nobody else is coming close to their power level. It's <laughs> it's it's the off brand, um, off meta decks that are doing well, um, but they're still not a basic thorns deck. Yeah, I appreciate you clarifying and reiterating. No <laughs> so what happened? How did how did the game go? <laughs> uh, so game game one, um, uh, started my charges. You know, uh, he starts with his Varclav push. Um, and don't interrupt. To... But did did you win boards? Did he get oh, boards? Who has three objectives? Uh, so I, I think I won boards both times. Um, 
either way, and, and this is just Thorne's matchup generally, um, he took objectives. Uh, so I was going to give him objectives uh, if I won, and he was going to take objectives if he won. Um, and so that's that's what ended up happening. So uh, I was kind of straight on, um, straight on on boards. Um, I uh, He does his Varclav push, ends up in two lethals and on the objectives. I'm like, okay. All right. What am I denying? Am I denying test of courage? Am I denying the objective holding? Um, I know I'm not denying the surges. Um, you know, got a couple of early kills, got my movement tech out, uh, was able to, to start start dealing some damage um, to get one of the kills. I think what I did was um, he was playing Penitent Throne. Um, and I, I definitely had one boards uh, because I had rotated it to put the block taxes at the back. Um, and he had the lethal hex um, beside an objective, like the objective was in between both lethals on that board. And so we had a chain rasp in the lethal up front, a chain rasp on the objective. So I charged in mean eye, shot the chain rasp on the objective, hit him snare, and then uh, tried to hit the one that was on the uh, on the lethal hex and missed. And he had the queen within two hexes. So he smacks mean eye for two. Um, I get another charge in. Uh, I believe I missed the other chain rasp on that one. Um, Attacks with the queen, smacks him again. Tries to play Glorious Triumph, but was not of Jason. Um, so and I that's said, actually a common mistake. A lot I, of people I, did that in the last I, online event. I made that mistake, and I was playing Thorns in, in Best Clash 4. So, like, I, I made that exact same mistake, like, day one. I was playing I was playing Benny, and uh, Shuby was watching, and I got corrected. I was like, okay, good to know, guys. Thanks. I will not make this mistake for the rest of the day. Yeah, I think I was guilty as well, but every every Thorns game I saw throughout the whole event did the same thing until like at one point someone was like, "Oh, this is not how this card is played." And like everybody's reading this card wrong. So it's funny how this is a reoccurring theme here. Yep. So uh and I and I believe I believe Madden and Cackle hit on it was either that mean I uh or or on stab at that game. Um and, uh, and what ended up happening was I, I tooled up Ripa from that point um, and ended up just, just running through chain rasps. Um, uh, we ended pretty tightly uh, 19 to 15 at the end of game one. So uh, I ended up taking it by four glory. So you, you mentioned prioritizing, you know, these threats beginning of the, before the game starts. Um, and you said you got some early charges. Like I'm looking at uh, Andrew, right? Is your opponent? Yep. I'm looking at Andrew's deck online. Uh, very similar to Tommy Conboy's winning online event. Um, subtle, subtle changes here, like Yara's Instant Shield. But for the most part, you know, you're taking... Like, it's 20 glory in the deck, and it's quite... You can quite consistently get around the upper teens with this deck here, um, even without kills. So, like, when he's jumping onto objectives with Varclab, is he getting, like, temporary victory, swift capture, hidden purpose, or oh, did yeah. he just draw these late? Or So he's just chugging along. He was getting some of them. I believe. I'm trying to remember what. I know he never scored aggressive strategy on on me. I know he counted for it, but he never actually ended up getting it. Um, either digging down to it, etc. I don't think he scored great gains either. That one. Um, I, I I know that he scored path to victory. Um, and 
And I think I, I knocked him off of test of courage um, to kind of deny that. Um, but uh, but he, he was scoring through. Uh, I was just, you know, the, the big thing into the thorns is like kill the two wound fighters because I can kill them. Uh, and then after that, you can deal with the Everhanged and Varclav, especially the Everhanged is generally that lead fighter that's going out into your territory. And as a Rippus player, I'm running past him and I'm going into your territory um, to, to get rid of the, uh, you know, the four chain rasps. Makes sense. And and did you get any like choice, like a Varclav early or Everhanged early or were they kind of just mid game? Uh, no. So Varklav lived and I believe the queen lived in that game. Wow. Okay. Um, which I think is part of why that one was so tight. Um, and did you, and you had all three fighters or it sounds like me and I took damage quite early. Me and I died round one. Okay. Um, and then I believe I had stab it and rip it until the end. Okay. So lots of, I guess, defending or missing really. It's what it yeah. sounds like. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Uh, so that was game one going into game, uh, game two, uh, same setup, you know, uh, pretty much wide board. Um, he's got his three tokens. Um, and we play the first few activations and I get inspired Ripa up and running. Maddening Cackle has already been played. Uh, I think it blocked Stabit's first attack, which I was like, great. Thank you. I, I know my Ripa is safe for the rest of this game. Um, and I had maneuvered into position and I was beside the queen uh, with, uh, with, I think, Stabit. I think that was part of that maddening cackle. Um, uh, or he had, he, had charged, he had charged into the lethal to try to score a test of courage. Um, oh, I know I mean I beside him. Uh, but the, that's important. And what I ended up doing was I went for a uh, a big Hail Mary charge with Ripa. I was mm. like, if I can take the queen down right now, I'll take I had a feeling right. that's where this was going. Yeah. Uh, missed the first attack, like Oof. my three-hammer attack. Hit the two-sword attack. Driver back, snare. End of first round. <laughs> was that enough? Wait, did she... So yeah. that was three. So she's got okay. one wound remaining. First okay. round ends. Okay. Throws ER's instant shield on her. Uh-huh. Okay. We go into round two. I win the roll-off. Minai shoots. No. He misses Yara's instant shield cast. And the queen dies. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, long story short, Ripa got trophy belt. That was one of those five glory kills. Um, and <laughs> in the third round... Um, I had I had Minai kind of back in back in my territory. Um, he charged the Everhanged onto an objective, deals two damage to Minai, um, and leaves me there hoping to inspire, hoping like knowing that like oh Minai has to hit both attacks to kill me. You're not going to drive me back like you know I'm kind of good. Okay, leaves me there. I equip bloody axe. killing me. <laughs> I equip bloody axe. One shot the Everhanged. Oh my goodness. Next activation. Five hexes away. Charge Varclav. One shot Varclav table. Oh. Wow. Wow. Yeah. This is insane. Um, <laughs> and so I ended that game 24 to 7. Uh, Oof. Winning, winning, the, uh, winning the glass. With style. Yeah. The bloody axe, man. Like sleeper head card. 
I, I absolutely love that card, especially on this warband. Like, uh, oh, I, I took it ever hanged head. Okay, you've just given me four damage. You don't know that. And so, like, immediately when he passed power, I was like, bloody axe on me and I. Like, let's do this now. Yeah, what a way to end the event. Yeah, dude, 10 points. You just fatality him. It's like, yeah, it's insane. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool recount of the event and and your path to victory, your path to glory was <laughs> was full of a lot of really cool highs. I will have to say, it yeah. sounds like it was very eventful in the most fun way, and I just love to hear that. I wish I could have seen it. It was it was so much fun. It was it was tense and nerve wracking as any competitive event should be, um, but it was it was a blast and it was so much fun. Well, I'm I'm glad you had a lot of fun, and and I know that I had a lot of fun listening to your story, and and I hope that you know our listeners did as well. Um, let and, and speaking of listeners, it's I think it's a great segue to jump into some listener questions. Uh, Jonathan, do you want to start us off with our first question? Yeah, so we asked the listeners for some questions um, directly to you, Matt. So we'll start with those. Um, the first one is from Shuby. Um, he wants to know, how did you prepare for the event? Um, and did you end up cutting any cards that you regretted not having during the event? Yeah, so the interesting thing there is that um, when COVID hit, I really fell off uh, for a bit, uh, as I think a lot of people did. Um, it's really, uh, really hard to get the motivation to play. Um, and there was the online scene and, and Vassal was starting off, but I just didn't really have interest in either at the time. And it was only when, uh, we were able to start meeting in person, uh, that I started kind of getting into Vassal. Um, and so generally like preparation for me is we try to play about once a week in person. Um, a few of us coming out, uh, Derek, Yuri, Aaron comes out sometimes, um, and, uh, and that's something that really, like, gets me into it. Um, but uh, Vassal would definitely be a big big part of my practice. So, like, thank you, Shuby, for the question. Thank you for all you do for the community. Like, Vassal is an amazing tool. And, and we were all saying all weekend um, that the worst part about being in person again is not having the reset boards button. <laughs> um, because that just... It means the downtime between games is is just that much more. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah no, uh, Vassal, I, I I got a chance to do some practice against Benny. Um, I got to play uh, Compaq, uh, Graham, who uh, who I played in in uh, uh, Vassal Clash three in the final. Um, uh, I got to, uh, I think I played Max Bernstein once or twice. Um, so got got like a, a good number of reps against people, kind of kind of across uh across the vassal community so uh it was uh it was really good yeah very cool and I, I know you mentioned earlier your, your wife played some games with you as well yeah it's cool um were there any this is his last question yeah. did you see any cards played during the event that surprised you um so the uh the surprising card was that transfixing stare mm. like you don't see that card anymore and it like like i said it was an emergency it was one of those <laughs> cards that you're like Oh gosh, I forgot that this was a. Th I forgot how oppressive this was. Yeah. Um, and especially like on Ripa, 
I mean, I think that I think the one of the one of the games because once again, I, I played Tristan all weekend. Um, <laughs> and one of the games, like I was like, okay, I guess Ripple will shoot at somebody with the bow because at least I can be attacking when the other two have charged. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I think I actually took Transfixing Stare in my Grimwatch deck at, uh, at, at LVO, and yeah. especially in the game against the Wild Hunt, like it just shuts you down. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Yeah. The worst is when someone like Voltron's a fighter getting ready to like do something mm-hmm. nasty, and you're like, oh, nope. totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Do you so, want to take the next one, Amon? Uh, yeah, sure. So this is from Benny. Um, how did you manage to beat, so he says multiple times, but I'm assuming, so I think you only played Thorns once. Yep. Um, and I think this is a cheeky question, so we're actually going to skip it because I know what he's trying to do here. Um, sorry, Benny. Uh, (laughs) from Nick, (laughs) we're going to jump to Nick's question. Uh, what did you think your best and worst matchup was? And I I think we kind of talked about this earlier, but, uh, what, 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 like, if you want to reiterate. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think best matchup. I think honestly, like part of part of this this weekend, like I think my best matchup was honestly guard. Um, yeah, it probably was uh, resurrecting fighters that I can farm. Um, <laughs> those are my highest glory games all weekend um, for obvious reasons. Um, and and I think worst matchup, like uh, luckily for me, I didn't come across it, but. Um, a hard control, uh, you know, a, a, a Tomes Molog, uh, you know, somebody who's sitting at the back and wants me to come to them one by one um, is really what's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And was, even the two that almost made it to the top four. Yep. <laughs> the crushes in the um, Nurgle. Yeah. Were there any Molog players at this event? I would have I would have thought someone would have taken it. Yeah. So I've been. I've got the the breakdown here. So like, uh, so we had four guard, we had three thorns players, uh, two rippas, uh, two crushes, uh, two hrothgorn, uh, and then we had a skaven, far striders, iron skulls, boys, a despoilers, a wormsbat, a harrows, a steel hearts, a blade coven, and a magor. Wow, no moloch, <laughs> no moloch, no gits, no grimwatch. Wow. Yeah, well, I can see the Grimwatch, but the No Gits and the No Malog, given their recent online success, yep. granted they're piloted by two solid individuals, at least in the in the ones that did well. Um, yep. So I, I am a little confused because I feel like a Malog could have ruined Ripa's day. Yep, absolutely. Three hits, That's, boom, bye. Yep. <laughs> and but like I mean, I would say on the same point, like three hits from any of my fighters, and that's a dead Malog. Touche. Like and and that's like I mean that's the Hrothgorn matchup, you know Molly's way more efficient at it, but that's that's how my four games against Hrothgorn went, was three yeah. hits and you're gone. Uh, I think that the interesting thing with the Molog, as a side tangent, is that he's got one more wound, which is actually a really big deal. Yep. Um, and then the fact that uh, if you manage to if you go really aggressive at him, which you will because you're trying to eliminate him immediately, you've inspired him, so now he's hitting for four. Yep. Or if he gets a regal vision, or if he's taking blazing soul, um, you know he's the four damage is nasty, and then you've got strength of terror. Um, uh, I don't know, like haymaker. I mean, so many. Even tight defense, like yeah, right now, like they're 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 you know 
buried instinct. Like there's, you know, Mo- Molog is a, it, it would have been a worry for this deck. Um, yeah, I, I had done some practice into it, so wasn't, uh, I knew that that matchup would come down to those initial dice and card order. Right. And that's, that's, that's what, you know, you go into that matchup thinking like, okay, either he's going to get some early kills um, and I won't be able to kill him or I will kill him. Well, speaking of Malag, uh, great segue in our next question, Jonathan, do you want to, do you want to ask some of these? Um, well, the next one I have here is from, Mike, do we eventually, if we do ever get our special masters event, um, will Matt try to come? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely, cool. yeah, yeah. I think this one was supposed to be at Nova, but hopefully the next one will be able to happen, and I guess we don't know where it'll be. <laughs> Nova 2021. Hopefully, yeah, it'd be yeah. easier for us at least. It um, really would. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. No, I, if uh, and and you know, I'll be honest, like I. Uh, this was probably the only other Grand Clash I was going to play this year, even if COVID had, had not done what it did to the Grand Clash scene. Like, I, I have two small children. I can't really travel that much. So um, I got a chance to go to LVO. Uh, this was going to be the only other Grand Clash I was going to see all year. So, um, but uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make sure I'm going to Masters. <laughs> and this was yeah. one of them that you didn't have to travel for. Exactly. So even even without the traveling, you got limited to, to this and the other one. So yeah, um, I'm glad yeah, you were we, able to make. We both. almost had one of those in Dallas, but <laughs> not <Yeah>. quite. <laughs> that would have been what May 31st, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. May. That would have been a fun one. Yeah. Um, well, uh, will you be attending LVO next year? Uh, we're gonna see. My wife and I really wanted to t- uh, go to Gen Con. Um, mm. Was uh, we were we were considering going this year. Um, so that might be our, our trip next year is to, uh, uh, I guess to do Gen Con, um, especially if, if there ends up being an, an Underworlds event there. So, uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how things go. Yeah. Right on. Well, we do have some other, uh, additional questions, but as we're getting close to time, I think we'll table some of those for our next episode. Um, Jonathan, do you have any other questions for um, our esteemed guest or over here? <laughs> I don't think I do. I think it sounds like a great event. I wish that uh, we could have made it. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll see you at one of the next ones. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, uh, from a results stance, I'm glad you guys didn't show up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I, think, I think you've beat me every single time we've played, so... I don't know why that wouldn't have just continued. I, I think I guilty. <laughs> yes. I um I'm I'm I was extremely salty that the, the Canadian government was so stringent on their border policy. <laughs> For good. I, like I, I have to say this, like I've only had the chance to play on once. Um and I made a really bad board choice and he punished the crap out of me. <laughs> and I have been wanting that rematch to to just just play him again and you know since since that game um well well i'm certainly sure we'll have the chance given yeah. that <laughs> i think we're both eligible for masters so yeah. uh looking forward to it um I, and i think I, you did ask me for an online game recently but i think i did mention that i'm on a little hiatus right now totally 
plan another <laughs> game at this time. But uh, still loving the news on Underworlds, and, and, and this is my first love. It'll stay my first love. And, and I'm super happy for you, man. I mean, um, you know, we met you in, in LVO, and we became good friends, and we stayed in touch. And, you know, you've been active on the Discord, and, and now you're just one of the most crazy Grand Clash stories I've ever heard. It's It's super <laughs> cool. Awesome. Happy yeah, and with a warband that not a lot of people seem to uh, have picked up seriously, so I think that's really cool too. I, you know what, the biggest thing for me, kind of, kind of both of the events that I've ended up taking is everybody has been so down on aggro uh, <laughs> in this Beast Grave meta, and uh, to showcase that aggro can take events um, has been really important to me. Um, just, just from an, an overall state of the game, everybody uh, has said in this. Uh, uh, you know, Grimwatch is oppressive. Thorns are oppressive. Um, it's the only way to play. And uh, um, it, it's a way to get glory trains rolling. Um, and there are there are ways to beat those styles. Um, and, I, and I think there are some specific factors that need to come together. But, um, you know, aggro isn't dead. Um, <laughs> if we get better end phase objectives in Dire Chasm, like, watch out. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that post-game interview. Aggro isn't dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but you certainly proved that. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people like to complain uh, or, or, like, at least react too quickly and that sky's falling, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think we've we've discussed that there are, you know, some warbands, as you mentioned, a particular warband that is comfortably sitting at the top. But I, I completely agree that no warband and no deck uh, if played, uh, if balanced correctly, or at least not too out of balance, can be beaten. Yep. And you demonstrated that, and I think that's really exciting. And it gives hope to a lot of players who were hoping to maybe emulate this playstyle, or or felt like maybe you know they're taking a break because they just can't compete with some of the other warbands out there. So with practice, commitment, a little bit of luck, and you know some solid play, you can beat anybody. And, and that's yeah. something that is my favorite part about this game. Completely agreed. Um, I was kind of tallying it, like thinking about it. And I, I have probably tallied about 150 games with Rippas <laughs> over the over the last, you know, year since you know about since they came out. Um, and and you just inherently get to know the the cards and the fighters. Um, and, uh, and and that's a that's a big part of knowing like where your strengths and weaknesses are lying on on every game on every move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's really nothing like reps. So. Yeah, practice <laughs> makes perfect. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. It's it's a real cool story. Um, one warband that you committed almost a year to, ten months really, because uh, they came out in December last year, I think. Yep. And uh, just goes to show if you put in a lot of effort with a single warband, you can do it twice. <laughs> it's the second event you won. Yeah. Event. So. Uh, yeah. How how nice does that trophy feel? Uh, it's <laughs> it's great. It's oh man. Yeah, that, that feeling. I so uh, yeah, when uh, you know killing Varclav and that game ended, I, I, <laughs> I you know fell back in my chair and just like breathed out a giant sigh, and I was like, I can't believe I just did this. You can uh, just so, already uh, picture yourself hoisting that trophy. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very shortly after that that Derek brought it over. So um, 
yeah, it was uh, it was wonderful. And it uh, I got a little uh, shelf upstairs that uh, the Ripa's War Band is sitting on with my Vassal Clash trophy, uh, and a Shade Glass trophy, and now my Grand Clash trophy, all all in the little cubby. <laughs> three trophies for three uh, three fighters. I like yep. it. <laughs> Very cool, very cool. Well, congratulations again, man. It's thanks. It's been a pleasure to have you on. It's been a pleasure to hear the story, uh, and and how how much effort and energy you put into this this warband, and to see it pay off in spades is is awesome. Absolutely. Um, I don't have any more questions. Uh, um, Jonathan, you got <laughs> you got any more? Um, I don't think so. Unless uh, Matt has anything else he'd like to add. I don't know if. Uh, People should find you somewhere else other than Discord. I know you have had a YouTube channel yeah. in the past. Yeah, <laughs> yes. ha- keep them guessing. Yeah, so uh, so uh, on Discord, I'm uh, KTG Matt. Keep them guessing, Matt. Um, had been running a, uh, a Facebook or a YouTube channel with, uh, with a buddy. Uh, he got out of the game. Uh, and... Uh, uh, my wife and I kind of, my wife Alex and I were, were kind of keeping it up and running, but weren't enjoying the having to share a card pool. Oh, we weren't going to buy second copies of all the cards. Um, oh, yeah. And so kind of, kind of fell off of it um, uh, for that reason. And then uh, time and children um, were <laughs> definitely massive factors. So limiting recording times to certain, certain amounts. And then, you have a child wake up and screaming in the background. So <laughs> it, uh, it, it made recording really hard. Um, uh, I, uh, so I'm on the Facebook groups. Uh, you can find me on discord easily. Um, and then, uh, and then I wanted to do one plug. Uh, so my, uh, my wife, uh, actually does most of, uh, most of the painting around here. I paint the Stormcast, but she does everything else. Um, and that's her major hobby. Um, uh, I know she, I know she placed second in the painting contest for the trophy, uh, on the, we, on the weekend. So, um, right. she was really happy with that. Um, but, uh, she's got a, uh, painting, she does commission painting. Um, she's got a tumbler, uh, painted menagerie. Uh, so you can look that up. Um, and she does beautiful work. Um, she's amazing. So I, I really wanted to plug her painting. No, absolutely. Shout out to, uh, Mrs. Penner for uh for crushing on the arts there do you want to send us a link to that so we can put that in the show notes in case anyone's interested oh absolutely cool cool sure, we'll do yeah. that um very exciting man i i really wish i'm very jealous that you just got to play in general like in public with <laughs> yeah. people oh it was with, it with models was <laughs> with models models and dice and oh it was it was like it was wonderful. It was just like, uh, you know, it was it was so nice to be at an in-person event and not just in my basement, um, <laughs> like a vassal clash or like work. Uh, now I'm so, so jealous because you have a basement. We don't have them in Texas. Uh, yeah, real estate's a lot cheaper in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that um, I wanted to ask, actually, I guess I've got I've got more. I'm gonna keep them coming. Um, is uh. Do you feel like there's a difference between playing online and in person, or did it kind of feel the same to you? Because I, I feel like there's a difference, and I, you know, sometimes I talk to my buddies online, and, and they're like, oh, it's the same to me. And I wanted to get your thoughts, because you're one of the few people who's actually played in a full event now, recently, during COVID. Um, there's a difference, absolutely. The energy is so much, so very different. Um, you get to, like, you don't bond during a vassal clash. Like, I, I get to meet a lot of awesome people. 
um, and, and contacts and, and people, but it's not the same. Like it's not the same as meeting people and joking and, and talking afterwards. Like, Oh, how'd you do? Oh, bad. You know, I had a bad break. Like there's so much more connection, you know, like uh, it was, you know, like talking about this weekend, like um, the guys, the guys from Toronto, like, or, uh, or, or London, like Tristan and Jake uh, and, and Kean and uh, Josh Miller, uh, and, and Amanda, it was like so great to meet them. And, and, uh, the Edmonton group, like we share a lot of the, the Facebook, um, uh, our chats and groups, um, just being so close. So, uh, I, I got to meet Andrew and Trevor who I, Oh, I, I know your last name. I've seen you on these group chats. <laughs> and so it just, just being able to meet people and, and be in person, um, such, such a different feeling, like still the game we love. Um, and, and that experience, like it's way more satisfying to roll dice than to control F like, let's, let's all be honest. <laughs> right. Um, and, and did that, some of that human element that you're mentioning, did that affect the way you played your games? Like, did it, you know, cause I always feel like there's this another element that one is not really talked about in Underworlds where it's kind of like the guessing game between, you know, your opponent the body language and, you know, some of the tells and the pressure that you can add by, you know, you know, like physically dominating them. In, in a game yep. versus like a behind a computer screen is, is, is there, do you think there was a difference there or did it just feel like you would have played the same if it was an online event? So I, so I, I used to play a lot of poker. Um, so you're, you're speaking my language right there. Um, and there's, there's a, there's a, there's a massive difference. I feel like with Vassal, you can hide behind the screen and really think through those moves a bit more. Um, and, it, it's a lot less, I, I think the word that I would use is reactive. Um, I, I think in person, um, you're seeing what you're doing. Like, I feel like you can joke a lot more and that's just a big part of my personality. So uh, it's like, you know, I, uh, uh, and, and I feel like that is something lost in the, in the medium of microphones and computers. And especially like you get a bad connection and you're just straining to hear the other person like, uh, and and masks do a bit of that, so I, I won't say that it's flawless right now. Um, but uh, it's night and day, night and day. The the, the game is, yeah. you know, like I said, I took a break because I didn't want to play online, and I play online to stay sharp. Um, but if I wasn't playing in person, I wouldn't really want to be playing online. Yeah, I, I think it just sort of reminds us why we're doing this in the first place. <laughs> If we wanted to play a video game or something, we could do that. So, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I lived very vicariously through your through this episode. Um, <laughs> I, I it was just, you know, I was I was with you the whole way. So again, thank you so much for coming on the episode. I know I asked you pretty short notice, but I'm glad you could make it. Um, thanks for supporting this this podcast, by the way, too. You know, as a patron, and uh, you know, for being being a guest, I really really appreciate it. And and I know that, you know, we would love to have you back. Just keep. Just keep crushing it with the the ripples. Awesome. Uh, I promise. I promised uh, Dave specifically, one of our Edmonton players, the Worms Bat player. I I told him I'm going to retire them for a little bit. I, I'm working on some cheeky control fart striders right now. Um, is is my next weird thing that I'm working on. So <laughs> control fart striders, interesting. Yeah. Um, didn't you? But didn't you mention earlier you don't necessarily like control style? Yeah, but I haven't really played it enough. Ah. So I might as yeah. well learn it. Fair enough, fair enough. 
Cool. Well, before I keep asking you questions, um, <laughs> Jonathan, dude, you, you take it away. All right. I think that will be it for this episode. Once again, thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you would like to join our current Patreons, you can at patreon.com slash path to glory. If you have any feedback, questions, or comments, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or Discord at Path to Glory Podcast. Please rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get the podcast. As always, thanks for listening, and we wish you the best of luck on your Path to Glory. At the end of this episode, I make the Snarl Fang reaction to On Fury. Double crit. <laughs> Oof. Oh, no. <laughs>